Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Are you ready for a completely unnecessary podcast for Tuesday, July 19th, 2016, the pre-Comic-Con edition alongside Ian Ferguson? Howdy. I'm doing a some weird finger motion. Mm-hmm. I'm Pat Contry. Yes, we got lots of stuff going on. And we'll get to our topics in a bit, such as the classic NES announcement, Shocking the World, Evo 2016 on ESPN2, uh, more CSGO uh, skin gambling garbage. We got uh, Watch Mojo telling us why retro gaming sucks. Pokemon Go taking the world by storm. And your Q&A. But first, we have sponsors. And, uh, you know, they're new to the web, but not new to the game. Geek Mixology is the place where vodka meets video games. At Geek Mixology, you will find creative cocktails made by experienced mixologists and diehard gamers. They are not only fans of the retro gaming community, but contributors as well. Stop by and see them at A Video Game Con. That's the name of it, of A Video Game Con, this September 10th and 11th in Parsippany, New Jersey. I'll be there as well. And also at geekmixology.com on the web. Uh, and they're huge fans of the CU Podcast, and thank you so much for being a sponsor. Thanks. And ArcadeWorks, the makers of the Omega Entertainment Machine, hands down the best way to play Neo Geo arcade games from the comfort of your own couch. Sporting a design inspired by the legendary home system, the Omega utilizes the low-cost MVS format to finally put Neo Geo Gaming within financial reach. Each Omega ships with the latest Unibios and the optional virtual memory card upgrade lets players save their progress and high scores. So get yours today at ArcadeWorks.net. Use coupon code OMEGANOW for $10 off the purchase of an Omega Entertainment machine. Alright, so we got some stuff in the works. We're, we're uh, we got expos coming up. At least I do. I'll be at Game On Expo August fifth that weekend. I think it's fifth and sixth. That's in Mesa, Arizona, and then I'll be uh, helping out, and also will be at Anwood Frank Frank's first ever convention at the SoCal Retro Gaming Expo Summer Edition, and that'll be August. Uh, my mind went blank. August 20th and 21st. I might still try to wing that one. You're going to try to wing that one in last I second? I might, yeah. Last second appearance, and that's going to be at Frankenstein Collectibles Show, and that's in City of Industry, about 25 minutes outside of L.A. Um, and then we have a Comic-Con battle. That is the Comic-Con. Not the one in New York, not the one in Seattle, not the one in Texas. The Comic-Con, San Diego Comic-Con. That's this Sunday... We can announce it now. We, 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 we officially uh, they officially came out over the past weekend with their finally their, like they did one Woo! Friday, <laughs> yeah. So we're going to be Sunday at three, um, three p.m. and that will be in room thirty-two AB. It holds three hundred and fifty people. A lot of people already RSVP'd on the specific uh, web page. If you go to uh, Comic Con, like each panel has their own page. You can say, "Oh, oh really? I'm going that." So uh, it might fill up. It might fill up. 
Uh, speaking of real quick, though, about Soul Calibur Gaming Expo, besides Frank being there, you're going to have Andre Meadows, who's also going to be a part of, of our panel, uh, Black Nerd Comedy. Uh, you're going to have um, guys like Phil fucking Moore of Nick Arcade coming back to the Soul Calibur Gaming Expo. I fucking <laughs> love Phil Moore so much. Um, you're going to have Pro Jared, Gerard the Completionist, Billy and Jay, those lovable, lovable game chasers. Um, and you're also going to have an appearance by Norman Caruso, the gaming historian, is coming out. That's going to be fun. Oh, and Gamester81, who's also helping run the uh, Game On Expo in Arizona. Can't forget the guy who's actually, you know, doing the, doing the thing. No, no, well, I'm, I'm talking about the SoCal one. Oh, okay. So SoCal, doing, gotcha. John will be appearing at his own convention yeah, in, I would hope in so. Mesa, California. Um, Arizona. Yes. There should be a La Mesa. There is a, well, there is a, there is a La Mesa. There's couple. tables in both. There's tables in both? Yes. The table. My town is the table. Uh, other than that, there's a new Ask Frank out there. Um, there's a new Flea Market Madness, I think, too. I can't keep track of the stuff coming out anymore uh, besides the podcast and, you know, uh, plugging the book. What's going on in your life, Ian? Anything fun? Not a whole lot. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, kind of. I've been yeah. trying to make more more use of my limited time off. Um Limited edition. I, uh, I, uh, Vani and I went out to Balboa Park to play Pokemon Go on Sunday. Oh, well, that's good. It was fun. We'll talk about that more later. Um, and I can't remember if I mentioned it on here, but I I did mention it on Twitter. So I will say, uh, my, my work duties are, are going to be changing. I'll be dialing back my time at Luna to, to focus more on, on on mental health, physical health, and uh, and 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 the podcast. Quite frankly, um, so those that's a really big change, and I'm nervous about it. But I think it'll well, be for the good. Um, but, I, I think I think the the lost wages will made up for, and you're and you feeling better. <laughs> but uh, you know, Pat and I both got uh, new laptops. We both got the same laptop because yeah, we're, we're laptop buddies. We're laptop buddies. It was funny because I was looking at that exact laptop the night before. And it was uh, expensive, and then you got a hold of me, and it was holy shit cheap the next day. And I was like, this is exactly what I was looking at, so that's a sign. So but Ian was looking for reasons not to buy it to me. He's like, well, is this or that? I'm like, Ian, we're saving like $700. We have to buy this laptop. Well, <laughs> I, I, I just we bought would've... this one the other year, and I mean, I, I mean, granted, my needs for computing have changed, but I wanted to make sure what I was buying was basically future-proof. And with all the expandability of it, yeah, but um, it, 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 it's going to last me for quite a few years. Even if you don't upgrade it. It'll last you for years. Yeah, I mean, that, it's not the top of the line uh, video card, but it's 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 up there still. You know, it's up there. It's yeah. in the top whatever twenty percent, nine seventy M or something like yeah. that. It's it's the people say, well, it doesn't do this. Well, I'll cra- I don't do ultra high fog settings at eight miles away. I'm I'm fine. I'm trust me. I, I used to play Unreal Tournament and had like medium level settings. It's playing XCOM two on basically the highest settings, so that's yeah. all that matters to me. That's good. Um, but other than that, no, just uh, getting ready for Comic Con. Um, got the time off for that, which is cool. Our new hires are working out well, so uh, I was did able I meet to your swing that. Did I meet your second new hire? I don't know if you met Chris. I don't know if you met Lane. There's a second, I, I there's don't a second know. Chris. There's a new Chris, and then there's Lane. Lane's the female one, and she's really good. She's yeah, the, I know her. She's, she's the one who's going to be covering uh, covering Chris and I while we're oh, at okay. Comic Con. Cool. So that's very cool. Good to have someone you can uh, you let them fly, you throw them at the nest, and they're flying. Yeah, this is this is her her chance to fly on her own, and I think well, she, I think she'll do. I never really told the story, but the first time I worked um, my first real job working at a supermarket, you know, what my first day on my own was. Hmm. 
uh, Labor Day. Uh, I thought I was going to say Fourth of July, Thanksgiving, something like that. So probably one of the busiest days, and there I was just suffering through <laughs> ten cent coupons that wouldn't ring up, and you know looking up the codes for asparagus and everything else. And I still know some by heart, like I know four oh eight is red pepper. But there's so many of those codes you have to memorize. Eventually you do, but you had to like, look through the book while there's like eight people right. lined up. You know, it's just that was hell. The good thing for Lane is Luna is stereotypically slow during Comic-Con and she'll be in the slower location so chances are she's not going to have to put up okay. a whole lot of bullshit. The whole other story, but I remember I uh, applied to Funkle and I never heard back. That would be my dream job at the time as a teenager. <laughs> and I could have got those good, uh, those good sweet deals coming in. Uh, all those trade-ins. Uh, but speaking of retro gaming goodness, this was a sort of shock, this announcement. It came out of nowhere from yeah. Nintendo. So Nintendo is releasing an NES Mini. Uh, NES Classic Edition. NES Classic Edition, which is a tiny little reproduction of the outer NES shell. And uh, it's adorable. And what is it? It's basically um, one of those all-in-one at-games consoles, only it's not being made by at-games. And it's going to include 30 games on it and HDMI uh, hookup, which is going to be great. Uh, it comes with one reproduction NES controller. Uh, the controller ports are the same as the Wii and Wii U um, hookups. So mm-hmm. if you have classic controllers for your Wii, you'll be able to use them. And likewise, if you want to use this recreated Nintendo controller for your Nintendo Virtual Console games, you can, which is really cool. So it's one controller in the box, the system, the HDMI cable, and you're good to go. $60? Uh, 60 bucks. Um, not a move I think a lot of people expected Nintendo to make, especially when you think about how Nintendo prices their virtual console games at $5 a piece. With 30 games, you're getting these at $2 a pop, plus you're getting the HDMI out on them. Um, I mean, this is... I'll get into more later, but this is a pretty good deal for the right person. And when you look at the list of games, I'm not going to rattle them all off, but there's like zero duds there's almost there's almost no filler there's two games on here that i personally could never see myself playing maybe three there's Um, there's two that are at at most questionable but there's none that are like oh my god why is that on here i've never enjoyed the the it's just a stupid you want to go through all of them right now we'll get to that in a bit well well, i mean it's it's i think it makes sense to go through them now since we're discussing the specs so it's balloon fight it's bubble bobble castlevania one and two so far i think these are all really good choices donkey kong this is one that i would probably not play much i i I know it's a stupid nitpick i hate the bastardized version of donkey kong i would never play it my my question would be why not just save a slot make a donkey kong classics Classics. and have both but maybe they figure okay we'll just fill it out most people will the average person which we'll get to won't know what the hell donkey kong classics is they'll know what donkey kong jr sure Donkey Kong Jr. is fantastic. Great Nintendo yes. port. Double Dragon 2 is one of my favorite beat-em-ups on the system. Fantastic choice. The fact that this is on there alone, I think, is huge. Fantastic. Very surprised by the third-party choices so far. Yeah. Dr. Mario, another choice. excellent choice. Good for two-player. Bike, obviously. Good choice. Final Fantasy, that's huge. Um, Galaga. Light, but, I mean, a game I, that anyone's going to want to play. Those, I, think, I think the Galaga fulfills... We want to have some sort of arcade shooter on here. Yeah. Get the, if you want to go skew a little older. Uh, Ghosts and Goblins, a classic mm-hmm. choice. Perhaps not my favorite. Probably, to me, the one of the most questionable choices on here. Not saying it doesn't belong, but very surprised that made it on here. I think it's just something people remember. I think. Um, Gradius, not my favorite shooter, but, but a, but good, a good one. Ice Climber, not Pat's favorite game, but I like it. Ice Climber, to me, uh, and I tweeted this out, uh, I did... 
star ratings based upon a certain NES guidebook for all of these. That was the only game that was rated out of all of these to me below average. Mm-hmm. That was to me a two star game. Uh, other than that, Ghosts and Goblins I rated three stars above average. Otherwise, all the other games three and a half stars, four stars, four and a half stars, or five. So then to move along, we got Kid Icarus, which is fantastic. Five star game. Kirby's Adventure, a five star game. That was that's one of my favorites. Kirby's five star. The original Mario Brothers is a lot of fun, especially with two players. Mega Man Two. People will argue back and forth, but it's my favorite in the series. Uh, Metroid. Well, I was going to say Kid Icarus wasn't five stars. That was four stars. Metroid, Ninja Gaiden, uh, Pac Man wants again to flesh out some of the arcadey type stuff. Good version of it. Yeah. Uh, Punch Out, huge. Obviously, uh, they can't have Mike Tyson's Punch Out. They right. Don't have the license. Uh, still a five star game. Star Tropics, not my favorite, but also a, a good choice for a lot of people. Super C. So why not Contra? Contra. This is all. That's all Konami. That's all. Yeah, Konami didn't want to give it up. Obviously, Nintendo. If Nintendo got Double Dragon Two and Ninja Gaiden, they could have got. They could have paid for Contra. Whatever for whatever reason, Konami's like, no, we don't want to give it. Right. To Super C is a totally good game, but it's just it's so odd that they put Super C yeah. on here, and not Contra. And I have had some people saying Super C is just as good or better. I'll debate that. It's definitely not as well known, and it's not as iconic. Right. And so far, when you go through these lists of games, almost all of them are iconic, or yeah. in, in terms of this place in the NES library. Even a game like uh, Galaga, while not iconic on the NES, is an iconic game, game overall. Same with Pac-Man. Yeah. Uh, Super Mario Brothers 1 through 3, obviously yes. huge. That's $15 on your virtual console right there if you happen to want all of those. Uh, Tech Mobile. This is one that's I understand why I, it's Tech Mobile, but... I, I find it to be so superseded by its, or so surpassed by Tecmo Super Bowl that I would probably well, never okay. play this. I, I think Tecmo Bowl was more, more played, more common than Tecmo Super Bowl. And, and when you think of big football game in NES, that's the first one. Obviously, Tecmo Super Bowl is a superior. Tecmo Super Bowl is a, a perfect game. Uh, but Tecmo Bowl, if you had to pick a sports game, you can't go wrong with Tecmo Bowl. I'm actually surprised. That ice climbers on there are not something like ice hockey. Sure, that's yeah, a surprise. Me too. Just surprised. to round out the sports. Yeah, if, if, I don't count punch out as sports. It's more fighting. Uh, if you want to go that or action, but technically it's sports, but whatever. I think if you had to do a second sports game, I'd love. I would love to see either Blades of Steel on there or ice hockey. hockey. Uh, that's where. That's about it. And then obviously the two Zelda games. You got to have. I'm, but I'm just surprised they have both. Yeah, and I'm surprised they have. I'm really surprised they have Castlevania 2. Some people, some people said, why not Castlevania 3? Again, that, One could be, Konami. that could be Konami. Maybe they don't want three uh, third-party games on there in a row. But they got two of them. They probably got a good deal. They probably got a package deal on those two. You know, and Gradius. And uh, what's the other Konami game on here? Is that the only one? They probably just got a good deal on Super C. You know. So, anyways, not to, not to go on crazy about that. And you got one title game. Yeah. <laughs> Bubble Bobble. Um, that surprised me too. There's that, a really good yeah. mix of one and two player games on absolutely. here. The first thing I did was go, well, what's is there really a point for the second controller? I'm like, oh, absolutely. Half of these are great. Yeah. Great, excuse me, great two player games. Um, it also does save states. So Save points. Save points. So when you get to it, like, so say Castlevania at every level, you, it'll probably, okay, stop and you can continue from there. Which is great. So, I, and by the way, the second control is going to cost nine ninety nine. That's really that's reasonable. fantastic. Yeah, you see shitty third party controllers that come out co- cost more than that. And these are gonna be, that's made up by Nintendo. At least they're quality control. Sure, they probably figured. I can understand wh- why not putting a second controller in because they're like, well, some people might not want it. Uh, we, we yes, we can make more money, but some people just will use their uh, their we classic we classic controller anyway. So everyone right. will win. So so um. 
it's it's a fantastic little product. Now, who's it for? That's that's more my question. Um, I could see this being a, a huge. Th- Luna this, will get these in. These are going to sell like gangbusters over Christmas. This will be when whenever every Christmas comes out, you have the top toys of this year or top yeah. items. This will be in the top five. Sure, absolutely, and it's year. going to be absolutely perfect for the um, the 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 nostalgia seeker. And the thing is, is there's so many good games on here, and so many of these are upper echelon games that people want immediately when they yes. buy an actual Nintendo that. To get this collection and a Nintendo in good shape and two controllers, at this point you're talking a few hundred. Three fifty. I think I estimate at three fifty. I, pro- I would have I would have done a quick guess at three hundred. Three fifty is probably right because a game like Mega Man Two keeps going up. Yeah, you know. you're getting this for sixty bucks. Uh, is this something that I would own? Probably not. Will I? Maybe. Hey, if the packaging is cute enough, I'm going to buy this. But. Uh, I mean, I don't need this. I have a, I, I have a flash cart and a, and a Nintendo, which is which is which is great because this is where you had the people in comments when this was announced, and I put up my little Pat the Indian's punk little thing. People saying, "Why get this? I can get my Raspberry Pi. Why get this? I have my emulator." This is simple. This is not marketed towards you. No. It's not marketed towards me. It's marketing towards the 99% of the population, 99.9, that doesn't do, that doesn't do this. And I'm totally aware of that. I'm yeah. just saying, like, that, that's what but I'm saying. But that's, what they ha- that's, that's what the market. That's the market. And yeah, exactly. I don't need it. Um, I have everything that I need, but it's, it, it's going to fill. Look how many people bought the Atari ones. Yeah, how many those people, sold like a million and, and or more. how many people actually gave a shit or found those games to be fun to play? You we, you actually have okay. good stuff on We've it. had Atari version. We've had ColecoVision. We've had Intellivision. We've had Sega Genesis, correct? Yes. And all of that built-in games, they've been about, what, 40 to 50. Atari's been cheaper or whatever. None of them have been made by first parties. Sega licensed them out. Atari yeah. doesn't really exist anymore. You know, they license out. This that is, games made those. This is Nintendo's stamp of approval. I'm not saying these are coming out of Nintendo's factory, but this is not going to be a shit product. I can just about guarantee you. Sure. Nintendo does not put out shit consoles. This technically counts as a console. And I'll just say this real quick when people say, well, Pat, you said guys, Nintendo will never make another NES, or they will never make another cartridge console. Yeah. We always said, Nintendo's going to make a console if they make money on it. They can't make money on a cartridge console. They make money on software. And Anyone who fails to see that distinction is just being a dick for the sake of being can, a dick. They can produce these for like $10 each. They cannot produce an NES cartridge console for probably less than, like I don't know, $70, $80 for all the parts and pieces that go into that. They're not going to replicate an NES ever again. No. A cartridge NES, that's not going to happen. Sorry. This is the best you're going to do as an emulation system. Probably the same emulation that you see on the eShop and then the Wii Virtual Console. Probably the same exact thing. But that's why it's affordable. The, the, I'm not surprised at the $60 price point. I think it's great. I think they can get away with it. Could it have been cheaper? Probably, but I think they're going to sell They're going to sell millions of these. I still think based on the library, it's a very reasonable price point. They will sell... I'm not, I'm not, it's not hyperbole. hyperbole. They're going to sell millions of these. Maybe not just millions over Christmas, but give this in, going into next year. This is going to make Nintendo so much bank... That they're going to be like, why the hell didn't we do this years earlier? And I'm actually surprised that they did not do this last year for the 25th anniversary. That was a little short-sighted. Then again, maybe the mainstream doesn't give a shit, but this would have been perfect a year ago, obviously. Sure. But what happened in the past year from to say, wow, we're, we're, we're missing out on a boatload of money marketing retro games to the mainstream? What do you think it was the past year? I've been trying to think about it. I'm not sure what. Um, maybe they're starting to see uh, book projects, uh, more Kickstarters, more more uh, indie indie games come out that are retro styled. 
Maybe they see all these fan projects that are coming out. Maybe some some ones that get through, some like the 3D Zelda game that they, they have to shut down. Maybe they realize maybe there's some interest here we have to really tap into more than just the virtual console. I was going to say, maybe they're seeing a slowing in pr- uh, purchasing of virtual console titles. That's maybe who? they're seeing backlash against it, and they figure, well, tell you what, we put this whole unit together, sell it for 60 and we're going to sell far more... They're gonna sell. They're gonna. They're going to be. They're gonna make that money in numbers that they won't make in single downloads. Let me tell you the people I've spoken to about this that brought up to me before. Um, my cousin, who while he had this stuff as, as a kid, isn't into retro gaming. He brought it up to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, my friend, all her coworkers at the hospital were talking about this. They're not retro gamers. I was having sushi with Frank. Frank talks to uh, the six-year-old guy that walks in, and he kind of knows. I just mentioned. That I'm doing a panel about old video games. He brought this up to me. Yeah, I mean, so I, that's insane market penetration and hype before this is even going to come out. I've had, I've had at least, I, I mean, people talk about it all the time in the store now. But I've had a couple people a day walk in, ask me if we'll be carrying it. I say yes and walk out. So they you, just want to know where they can get it. They're not there to shop. It's probably not something they would ever notice. But they see our store and they go, I wonder. They walk in, they ask, and they leave. And I, I mean, these aren't people that I recognize. And this is uh, four months out of this coming out November 11th. Yeah. So just imagine. Imagine the horde of people doing their Christmas shopping, either knowing about it or not. Black Friday comes. They walk into Target and see a fucking pyramid of them set up. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's cute. I remember that. My my cousin wants it. My kid might even want to play these games, and it's only sixty bucks. Then they look at the price of uh, they look at the list of games. I played Excite Bike. I played Balloon Fight. I played Bubble Bobble. Oh my god! All the Super Mario Brothers. My kids are gonna love that, or I'm gonna love them still. Yeah. Like Nintendo can't screw this up. This cannot be like Amiibo. This cannot be like uh you know the Wii Wii. They gotta make enough of these to sell them because they're gonna sell. Them. They will sell whatever they make. Yeah. I do not want to see. I, I I think you're going to make enough that these won't be able to be scalped. I, I'm, I'm crossing my fingers that these cannot be scalped because these are going to be in every major retailer. Yeah. Not just GameStop, not just Best Buy. No, we're know. already working on setting up our supply line. For you're already it. setting up, like, like having a little display of them, basically. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. And they're going to be like cute little boxes. They're going to be like so cute. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm excited. I think Nintendo did a good job with the list of games. You have, you basically have at least one of every major genre, if not more. You have your two RPGs. Um, Surprise! They, they don't want to go for Dragon Warrior. Final Fantasy is, is a better and more well-known game anyway. The first one, uh, you have your beat 'em up in there. You have your adventure games. You have your puzzle game. Doctor Mario. Now Tetris. People want to complain about Tetris. They don't own the rights to Tetris anymore. Yeah. So they probably will have to pay through the nose for that. And Doctor Mario to me is just as fun a game. I like. I personally I like, like it, it better. better. Personally, I like it better. I'm saying it's a better game. I like it better. Uh, and Bubble Bobble, you know, classic arcade action. Uh, no, I I don't see anything bad about this at all. Remember, people, it's not for people listening to this podcast. This is not the product for you, but you still might buy it. And like I said, I will buy it, and I will hook it up to my uh, HDMI uh, TV in my living room just for shits and giggles. Yeah. If you want, want to play, hey, someone comes over, hey, let's play, let's play Punch-Out featuring Mr. Dream for a little bit, and we'll have a ball. So do you think this will lead to the mini Super Nintendo down the line? Is that the natural progression? I, I, I think so. It's a potential, yeah. I don't see the N64 because the controllers are cumbersome. But I could see it definitely happening for the Super Nintendo. Yep. Or maybe even a Game Boy version. That'd be funny. <laughs> a little Game Boy one you hook up to your TV. Sure. So. so I managed to catch... We brought this up before that. They were going to do the top eight winners and losers bracket of Street Fighter V at EVO 2016 on ESPN2. And I actually caught it. I caught it Sunday night. And I watched um, 
I watched just about all of it by catching the last half, and then when they reran it, I watched the first half. So I watched just about all of it. And I'll, I'll just say this. If you're going to do eSports and ESPN, they did a fantastic job. Nice. I, I wish I had seen it. Uh, very well covering the actual people competing and their history and where they ranked. Uh, the commentary was spot on and professional. Um, they explained now they they couldn't take the time to explain like all the individual moves what they mean but they did a, they did a good enough job explaining the general strategies of what the players were employing. I'm sure they talked about anti airs and zoning and things uh, like that. To an extent, like you had to keep up with it. Like I probably got more than the average person because I you know I know a little bit about fighting yeah. games and I've, I've played the old, older Street Fighters. So I but you it was enough that you were following the same individuals along that. By the time you got to the second or third match, watching them, you can kind of know what their strategy was going to be and how they could. They were talking about adjustments being made and going more reckless style versus being more conservative. So that was fun. Um, and so the highlights to me, there's a couple of highlights. Um, Long Island Joe, everyone loves Long Island Joe. He was the only American to make it into the uh, into the the, t- the top eight. And it was great because he's like ex- exactly what you picture Long Island Joe looking like, <laughs> you know, borderline meathead, but so lovable and nice. And his dad was there, and it, 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 his dad was there as a secret, and so it was actually a heartwarming moment uh, after, after he made it. Uh, after he made it after his first uh, win to the, I think he got to the, the quarters, and then his dad was there, and it's almost like crying. It was a really great moment. Uh, everyone loves Long Island Joe. They were chanting for him, um, and then the finals was really intense. Uh, and the finals were between Infiltration, who plays Nash, and who was the other one? Uh, can't remember right now. The other the, uh, versus Armika, and he had lost. Infiltration had lost previously, so he was knocked down to the losers bracket. Which means when you get to the finals, you got to win two out of three to win one game, but he had to win that uh, three times uh, to win. Uh, but then you also had to do it again to repeat. To knock the other guy down to the losers bracket, and he managed to do that. That's impressive. That like that's like yeah, like, that's hard. Like because these guys are so even if he was ranked number one in the world, these guys are so evenly matched. To to be able to do that is pretty insane, and it was engrossing. It was it was like we always talked about before. If you're going to do a fighting games, fighting games is natural for a TV. Yes, because it, it, it it's one it, screen. It, just, it makes it's more easy sense to follow. Anything. You know who's who. They even cut to like. Uh, uh, they had a few shots cutting into the inserts on the top of like what you know the faces of both the guys that are playing or both them. You know who was controlling which character, and obviously you can follow the good commentary knowing what's going on, and you know like oh he's saving up his meter for the next round or oh he should use it now just to get like it, you, they built in the strategy like you, you could follow the strategy as well as the action as was going. So as you were well, watching, you learned enough by that by the time you made it to the finals, you basically knew exactly what was going on. Absolutely. Um, so. Yeah, I had a I had a blast watching it. Uh, An infiltration came back, number one in the world. Long Island Joe, great story there as well. It was a uh, Fudo with Armika, which uh, oddly enough they uh, determined her default costume too sexy. So too much the, ass for too, ESPN. Too much ass, too much cleavage. This is <laughs> whatever. That's just bizarre. I think well, ESPN still Disney. Remember, yeah, still family. Yeah, like that's a small price to pay, I guess. Sure. You know, I wonder was, if the costume changes what caused them to lose in the finals, though. He was just too thrown off. Yeah, I suppose I think for the first matches they could do it. And I was like, okay, you got to change it. You got to change like, that. Yeah, yeah. It's a little too much ass. It's interesting the Arminka character. See, uh, let's see. Here's the, here's the final eight here. So the final eight we're using number one, Nash, uh, Fudo with Armika, Yukadon with Nash. You have Chun Li, Nash, Chun Li, Ken, and Vega. So the top fighters, basically, you have three people using Nash in the top five. 
Doesn't surprise me. Uh, I guess he's a well-balanced fighter. When I looked at what how he was used, I'm like, ah, oh, I can picture using a character that he's patient, good with spacing, has a has a projectile attack that isn't the best, but you can keep people at bay. Has some good uh, air. Uh, was it the kick? Yeah, sweeping. He, he's kick got up. similarities to Guile, but he plays more similar to a Shotokan character, meaning he just quarter circles and stuff sure. like that. So I, yeah, and yeah. he he became a he became a, a a fan favorite very quickly. I mean, even on like the first two days of it being out, my friends and I playing it, I had two friends who immediately gravitated towards Nash, and that's just who they play. Yeah, I so guess it, it's a popular character. And Armika is like balls to the wall. I'm going to blitz you and see if this is going to work. Yeah. That was very interesting because I don't know in Street Fighter if there's been a character like that before. I guess there's been like Ihan and other characters. Like, or well, Blanc- Armika's not new. Or Blanca where you go charging at people. This thing of the past was I'm familiar with. Like Blanca where you go all out and just go at them because you have the speed and you can get close. So it's interesting with Armika though, you can get into these like almost infinite combo situations where like you, you hit them a couple times, throw them into the, you do the, the Irish whip, stun them combo them again and you could knock out most of their power if, if you know what you're doing I was really surprised that that's, that's in a Street Fighter game I really just like playing against their Mika because, I like her as a character because it sounds like, playing against because it sounds her. like if you get into the wrong situation you can be fucked well that's that's that, that's fighting games in a nutshell but yeah sure, especially but, with her but that one at least for my watching that was the only one where you could do it to that extent do heavy heavy damage if you weren't careful uh, like heavily get someone into a almost like a loop with the Irish whips combo then you get them. They, once you get them a dizzy, they're done. Um, so that's what happened with infiltration. And then he basically had to adjust and then come back. And him coming back was amazing because again he'd lost to Fudo before right. to get knocked down to lose back. So it was like wow, he redeemed himself, came back and had to win two whole matches, two whole three, two out of three. Like it's yeah, that's just nuts. So yeah, looking forward to more of that. Um, interesting to see that everyone showed like a Smash Brothers melee on there or anything like that. Or any of these other ones they would have Ultimate versus Ultimate Marvel versus Capcom three. Yeah, it's Disney Marvel I, characters. Yeah. I hear the Smash Brothers was actually quite exciting to watch. Okay, and I didn't I didn't see any of that. Well, but uh, my Twitter feed was actually more blowing up over that than it was the Street Fighter. Um, I don't get a chance to really watch anything Evo because it's always when I'm at work. Yeah, I'm not sure if the ratings have come out yet, so it'll be interesting to see what the ratings did on TV. Yeah, I, I'd be really interesting to see if people flipping through stuck on ESPN two and actually watched it from there. I see that there, I definitely think there's a much larger chance of that than Heroes of the Storm. Yeah, that's yeah. So we've uh, had a bunch of CSO gambling stuff happen the past couple times. We've had people saying, "Why well, guys, I didn't do anything wrong." We've had people rubbing their own nipples um because they're frauds and think that's a fun way to get away with it and show, "Hey, I don't take it seriously. I'm a piece of scum. I don't take it seriously." But I'm a piece of scum. Piece of scum. Not even a whole scum. So finally, <laughs> we have Valve coming out and denouncing all these third-party gambling sites that connect them via API and you know use your Valve profile to do this this skin trading gambling stuff, and then doing fuck all to stop it. Well, here's the deal: Valve is getting sued in a class action lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Yes. So they're in a weird spot now. It's almost like they waited too long because now it's like if they shut, if they sh- flip the switch. So the, which they could do probably any time yes. to not allow these gambling sites to access these player profiles. That's basically admitting that they've allowed this willingly to go on the whole time. That wouldn't look good for them in okay. court. Never really thought about it that way. I think that's why they haven't done it, but they're denouncing and saying, "Well, we're just allowing people to use our our back end, basically, not literally, but you know, to do whatever on their site." But they could flip the switch at any time. So it's interesting that that they. Um, that they did this. 
Um, Steam's user agreement includes a patch that forbids exploiting the content and services or any of its parts for any commercial purpose, except as expressly permitted elsewhere in this agreement. But they're not enforcing it. They're not actually coming out and going after these sites. I mean, they can send their lawyers after these sites if they want to. And that's what that's what confuses me is I, I, to me this 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 reeks of simple greed. It's right there in your agreement that you can stop people from doing this, and this is not this isn't an underground thing. It's it, out in the open. It's out in the open. If you walked into Valve and was like, hey, did you guys know this was going on? What? They're not going to go, oh my god, are you fucking kidding me? People are trading our skins we've been selling for like three, four years. But hey, they make two fifty a pop off these crates or whatever the fuck it is. So They've made so much fucking money on so these. So why should we not turn a blind eye? And it's kind of gross. You always want to think, I mean, I, a lot... I think it's it's lessened recently, but there was a time where Valve was very much looked upon as the good guys, and, and and stuff like this does a lot to damage reputation, I think. So they came out with a statement. I'll just read the statement off. This is from Eric Johnson. Uh, Eric Johnson from Valve said this. In 2011, we added a feature to Steam that enabled users to trade in-game items as a way to make it or easier for people to get the items they wanted in games featuring in-game economies. Well, that's convoluted. Since then, a number of gambling sites started leveraging the Steam trading system, and there's been some false assumptions about our involvement with these sites. We'd like to clarify that we have no business relationships with any of these sites. We have never received any revenue from them, and Steam does not have a system for turning in-game items into real-world currency. That much is true directly. Yes. Uh, these sites have basically pieced together their operations in a two-part fashion. First, they are using the OpenID API as a way to, for users to prove ownership of their Steam accounts and items. Any other information they obtain about a user's Steam account is either manually disclosed by the user or obtained from the user's Steam community profile when the user has chosen to make their profile public. Second, they create automated Steam accounts that make the same web calls as individual Steam users. He's going into more of the, the techno battle about how these sites operate. Right. But they're allowed to through how it's designed. Using the Open a- Open ID API and making the same web calls as Steam users to run a gambling business is not allowed by our API nor our user agreements. We're going to start sending notices to these sites requesting they cease operations through Steam and further pursue the matter as necessary. Users should probably consider the, this information as they manage their in-game item inventory and trade activity. Okay. So they're going to send notices. They know what, what websites are doing this. They have IP addresses. You don't think they could write something to sort of shut sure. off the access to it. these profiles and cut it to those IP addresses like that? They could. They can shut down Absolutely. these accounts. This, this, these are all, all of this stuff is handled by large accounts. They can just shut down the accounts for breaking the user agreement. But they're not, and they're probably not, because doing so would be some, like as you said, would be some sort of acknowledgement of guilt. It would be acknowledgement, plus I hate to say what it would hurt their, their sales of these skins in the short term, too. This is, this is their problem. The problem is, by they control what items are put in these fucking... These are trading card packs, basically. Yes. They, these, are, these rare skins are chase cards. They're hologram cards. They're the ones that, oh, they're the autograph that's one out of, you know, a thousand. So they have all that calculated out. Yep. At any time they want to, they can make all the items... With, with in a fucking whatever database they're doing, they can say, oh, that rare knife item that's one in a million, now it's one in ten. Yeah. Now it's one in a hundred. They could, they could kill the gambling aspect, aspect and kill the high value these are going on the black market in an instant they could do that if they wanted to. People would still buy these. Yeah. They would just eliminate 
the illicit gambling part of it and the fact that there's a weird monetary value put with these because now, oh, this skin, oh, my pink AK-47 is one out of a thousand, so it's worth $800. They could eliminate that in a heartbeat if they wanted to. But yeah. they're afraid if they do that, maybe that maybe that would hurt the, the amount of sales because there's... I, I let me guess. I'm guessing that most of these sales now are not are, people using the no, items just for gambling. Using, it, it's it's buying in at a casino. Yes, you're buying your chips. That's what it, it, it is. People are, but be- you're buying chips that you don't even know the value of. That's that's the bizarre part. And they can say that there's no way for people to turn this into real world money. Sure, but that's fucked because yeah, there's no way for your customers who they, are giving you real world money for these items to turn it into real world money on your site. They created the economy, but not the marketplace. Yes. They still created the the economy. Absolutely. And, and the blind eye to that is kind of weird. People were honest a little bit for not doing that last time. Well, we're talking about it now. Last time was more in the scope of just the sites doing this, and now we're talking about Valve's involvement uh, with this. So uh, what's going to happen? I mean, hell, they've come out. Twitch, Twitch said that gambling... CSGO gambling broadcasts are prohibited, but they always were. They just never shut them down wow. before. And that's that's really what bothers me the most is they will go after people for smaller infractions, but this sort of stuff that's generating them money is is what they they let sneak by. Uh, and by the way, uh, by, yeah, by the way, uh, what's his name? Uh, the two guys from last time that I can't remember. They're, they've been added to that class action lawsuit. Nipple fucking rubber and not uh, nipple fucker. Nipple fucker was totally separate from uh, okay. owning Cisco. He he was just promoting another skin website. All right. Uh, Martin and the other asshole. Um, they they're they've been added to the lawsuit, the Good. class action lawsuit with Valve. So, it's, if this was going to happen. They're going to get dinged, I think. Either way, Valve's going to shut, sh- I think, shut this up. Yeah, of course. So they're going to pay out. I think that Valve's going to have to pay out. And this will be part of the agreement, maybe, that, hey, part of the agreement, we pay less, we shut off the switch. And hell, they've made tons of money from this. You know, How much longer could this actually go on? How much longer could this kind of go on before you think someone like Congress would have gotten involved with something like this? Oh, not, this, not, long, this not long at all, especially but, with how much this has blown up in the past couple of months. And how it's associated with underage gambling. It's not just gambling. It's, it's underage, underage gambling. Yes. Which all of a sudden, whoa, I think we can all, that's bipartisan agreement. I think right there, I think we can all agree that's bullshit. You know, like that's, gambling is one of those things that, yeah, everyone, it's going to be hard to lobby positive, positively for, for children gambling online. That's kind of hard to get behind. Technically 13-year-olds, but really anyone who can check that I'm 13-year-old box. Yes, and, and get some money from some gift card or ask their parents permission to use their credit card. Their parents don't know what the hell they're using it for. They're using it to buy virtual Baseball card packs mm-hmm. to find that shiny hologram. Limited edition, Pete. <laughs> we're gonna put the. We're gonna put. We got a mint. We got the flex pay option on the screen. <laughs> we're gonna go ten minutes on this one. <laughs> ah, my voice. All right. It hurts so much to do it. So something rare has been found. Not rare in terms of the N sixty four rare games like GoldenEye or Conquer or Banjo. We're talking a rare prototype. We are talking a prototype system. We're talking the N64 disk drive. Except it wasn't even really a prototype. This appears to be a well retail-ready model. Well, okay. Using the word prototype a little loosely. But yes. Yes. It was, it was almost like, okay, this is what the system is going to look like. Basically, the 64DD lacked the markings of the dev kits that people in the U.S. were used to seeing, uh, certain colored borders and things like that. Um, it also displayed that it was a U.S. region system. So this was found by YouTuber uh, Jason Lindsay, otherwise known as Middle Jesus, Jesus Rocks, who 
has met us before. I think he's a fan of the podcast. Yeah, nice guy. Used to be a play- yeah, I met him once. He was really used, nice. Used to be a play tester for Sierra mm-hmm. back in the day. So um, this blew up. So if you don't know what the sixty four disc drive was, came out in Japan, uh, I believe ninety nine. Um, it held how much? You said sixty four. It's a sixty four megabyte uh, uh, proprietary discs. It uh, looks like a giant zip drive disc. Yeah. Uh, kind of makes sense. Nintendo always seemed to have kind of a, a penchant for for add-ons back then. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about the uh, the Super Nintendo one that never came to fruition a little bit later. But there was the sixty four, or there was the NES disc, uh, the Famicom disc. Excuse me, a Famicom disc drive. Um, then there was an attempt at CD, and then I think Nintendo's. Uh, you know, went back to slightly more solid state, less destructible media, and tried to do a disc drive for the Nintendo 64. Um, unfortunately, even in its own home country of Japan, this system was a flop, being on the market for a grand total of 14 years, with four released games for it. Whoa. Two God Sims, a Sim City, and Doshin the Giant. Uh, F-Zero X was a track creator that was not included in the cartridge version in the U.S. That's a cool and, idea, actually. And a, a uh, basically a Mario Paint sequel called Mario Artist. And then there was about 19 unreleased games, most of which, but not all, such as Mother 3, that saw their way uh, into uh, cartridge form. There was going to be a Pokemon Snap, Pokemon Stadium, a Legend of Zelda version of Majora's Mask. I would... So this sold horribly. It must have. Yes. We're talking, by time 99, is that's already what, in Japan, five years into the PS, PS1. Mm-hmm. Uh, N64 is not dying, but in its late middle ages by then. You know, three years in. We'll, we'll... It's obvious that it's not going to pick up the steam that Nintendo yeah. was hoping. And so they probably figured, like, ooh, this is not going to happen. Let's, I guess, turn towards that GameCube development that's going to come out in a couple of years. Right. You know, that's basically what happened. They, 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 they made the right move. Yeah. Because a uh, uh, higher capacity, basically a higher capacity N64 game is still nowhere near a, a PlayStation 1 disc. It's 64 like, megabytes compared to 720 on a ba- yeah. on an average CD you still have, that era. You still have all the compressed sound files and sprites you got to deal with. you got to play around with the magic in there in order to get something. You're still not going to have a Final Fantasy game on the 64 DD. No. It's not going to happen. So that's, that's why Nintendo said, screw this. And that's why Nintendo never came out with it in the U.S. It makes perfect sense. But they obviously were considering it. Sure. They so, had to. So the, the big difference here um, is the fact the loading screen is in English. The loading, loading screen says Nintendo 64. Uh, Mario hops around in his cute 3D polygonal self, and it says, please insert disc in English. Um, they, it came with a blue disc, a shiny blue disc, that unfortunately we don't know what's on it yet because uh, this system is sort of, I guess, region locked still, even though it's, even though it's a U.S. ready-to-go prototype model, whatever you want to call it. Um, so hopefully that disc gets dumped we find out what's on it maybe it's a prototype game maybe it's something else maybe it's a demo disc showing showing it off for a trade show that would be cool what's interesting according to this Ars Technica article though is that one commenter um, claimed and this is just what he said this is a promoted comment that he owned 50 of these US systems and says he's holding on to them He's going to sell when the prices peak, then buy a boat and retire. I don't know how many of these they could have made. They probably made more than one. Sure. Who knows how many they put together for, for trade shows that they never really wanted to show it after they put them together. Who knows? 
It does say number one on it. I'm not sure that means that was the first one they made or this was the first version of this that they made to present. Well, I mean, you know, you never know exactly on the business end. They could have made 50. They could have made 100. They could have, like you said, been ready to demo these. And, I mean, 14 months is a short period of time for something to crash and fucking burn. Yeah, that's so, Virtual Boy. Yeah, exactly. It, right. And that's that's actually what I was going to say earlier. It's very much Virtual Boy territory. And it could have been they had these ready to go and they are like, uh, no. No, we're not. No, we're, we're already in a weird spot with this system. We we're not. We are not advertising another add-on that has nothing ready for it. They saw the the horrible sales in Japan and were like, "Okay, this is not going to work out here." Throw it in the garbage. Um, I don't think I've seen. Uh, I don't think uh, he doesn't have to reveal where he got it. But I I'd just be curious where it came from. Uh, but yeah, not much else to say here other than I want to see what's on that blue disc, that shiny blue disc. I'm sure it'll get dumped at some point. That freaking zip disc looking thing. That's what, the first thing I think. Remember, remember the zip disc mm-hmm. phase oh, yeah. we all went through before. We said, "Oh, let's let's do that whole CD thing instead." Said yep. the zip disc. Let's hundred megabytes held a whole lot more porn than one point four seven. But then we got CDs. We got we got over. the high density disc. Did yeah. it double? It did close to three. Mm-hmm. The high density three and a half. That's funny. So all right, maybe I'll ask. Hey, maybe I'll ask Jason when I see him in a in a couple weeks. I can ask him uh, more about this. That'll be cool. So every once in a while we comment on videos that we see online and uh, watch Mojo. And this seems to be kind of a, a trend lately. Um, this, the, is, this is why Nintendo is doing their classic NES edition. This is the mainstream now retro games. Right. Watch Mojo did a video on why things suck about what, what, what things sucked about retro gaming. <laughs> and I'm not entirely opposed by it, but it does seem to be a trend or a bandwagon thing. And I do think some rose-tinted glasses need to be knocked off a little bit. But there are some things I agreed with in this video, and there were definitely some things that I thought were a little suspect. Um, it's, a, it's a gen, it's a general watch. Mojo does stuff like the top tens or the best list. This is it's such clickbait, but it's it, it works. People so some it. of the things were like the commercials suck. The commercials suck, which I love, by the way. Yeah, I loved them too. But I mean, they make some good points. But uh, you know, the 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 dial in numbers, the the lack of immediate information at your fingertips. My problem with with parts of this video really were that it was the things around retro games that at the time, basically the limits of our other technology that they thought sucked. Yeah, early three um, D was I thought amazing at the time to play Star Fox. Sure, early three D was another one, but I mean. I feel like Star Fox is a bad example because Nintendo knew how to optimize it just right to keep that game playable. Because I do still think that Star Fox is playable. Um, but there were some... They, some... Said, they said copyright protection sucks. We, we dealt with it fine. Yeah. There was ways you can Xerox manuals. You can deal with it. Yeah, or you just waited for that ingenious person to crack a copy, yeah. and then you got the cracked copy. These weren't things at the time that sucked, I think. They're looking back right, at this. Right, it's in retrospect that yeah. this sucks. Now, there is one thing that I always hated back then, I hate to this day, and I think they hit right on the head, which is funny because of how how much I was nonplussed or, or, or disagreeing with one other things, but I fucking hated it. When you bought a game that was based on an arcade game, and they kept all the fucking quarter-sucking mechanics in it. And it's, to this day, the reason why I think Gauntlet is a piece of fucking shit. On the NES? Yes. Really? I, I think it's... I can get I can get fairly far. Sure. And you can if you get good enough. But all of that stuff, like the... Um, 
the, I, I understand difficulty. I understand you have to extend the, the 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 nature of the game, but things like Gauntlet, where your health just keeps dropping, so that you keep okay. pumping quarters into it in the arcade because your character needs food. No, Atari needs your money. I fucking hate shit like that. Yeah, but then it's people would be pissed that it wasn't a, a real arcade port. I mean, back then in, would in they le- have been? Because I know lots of people back then who were like, "Yeah, this is fun, but it's really stupid that your health just keeps draining." For no reason. Oh, okay, I, I see that point. It's not incredibly fast, but it does drain. But what about, I think it, it keeps the challenge, though, of, like, beat-em-ups if they don't have unlimited continues. Like, they, they use example, I think they use, like, Golden Axe. Like, do you need unlimited continues for a beat-em-up? You want to get good at it, otherwise there's no challenge to it. No, you don't, but you know what? Shooters, like my favorite genre, generally have unlimited continues. You know what you do? You use something called fucking self-restraint. Or you're not allowed to input a high score unless you use uh, less than a certain number of continues. I I mean, there was no reason... (sighs) I understand that they want to increase the longevity of the game, but games like Turtles 2 on the NES, which I have beaten with a friend in the allotted continues, it's it's nightmarish, and I, I don't necessarily... I, I I really felt like a lot of the trappings and quarter sucking things from arcade games definitely did not need to uh, carry over. There was one that I think they got right uh, about games coming out having glitches or bugs and, you, bugs and you can't update them. That that was to me fair. I thought cartridge based games were completely without bugs, bug free, bug free because absolutely, they, absolutely. Okay, we're gonna make them bug free and that's it. And that's it. You just say it. You just say the fucking word. Yeah, but there wasn't that many that broke the games. No, and a lot of the bugs that they showed were ones that were like, not super common, or you had to go out of your way to make them to happen. Break. It's not like games like Donkey Kong Country break all the fu- all over the fucking place. They don't. Sure. Nintendo wouldn't release it. So, to me, there was two major faux pas in this video. One that they should have put in and one that they didn't. How could you put things that sucked and not put in about how you had to blow on NES cartridges to get them worked? Which is probably one of the biggest things that sucked. Which you shouldn't have done, but at least cartridges needed to be cleaned, and yeah. that was the worst part. I'm surprised they Nintendo didn't Nintendo more than anything else, but I'm shocked that wasn't in there. Well, I'm shocked. I would have been pissed if it was in there because it still would have been inaccurate information. But I'm I, I'm I'm surprised that there wasn't some. I guess I guess to agree with you to a point, I'm surprised there wasn't some mention of how unreliable the Nintendo cartridge slot was. Yeah, or in general how they can get dirty. Um, the other two things were they said that oh you can't save your games. They 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 said well, okay Zelda you could. But, I was gonna say they did mention but, Zelda. But how long does save. the battery last? The batteries last pretty fucking long. Some of them still are working now. Uh, my, yeah. I, I, we sell Nintendo games all the time with original batteries and they don't come back to us. I still have my mom's save game on Dragon Warrior yeah. One. So that to me was total horseshit. They got to make the list fun. But uh, PC doesn't have. Uh, games that save. Uh, that's one of the reasons you bought PC games because yeah. they all fucking saved. saved. <laughs> Going back to the early goddamn 80s, they saved. Yep. So that was ridiculous. But the, other th- the one thing that they try to hammer on is, well, you don't know if games suck. Never mind that there are. Uh, okay. Uh, you didn't know Nintendo Power wasn't going to bash a game in their issue, but they did kind of subtly mention that, okay, there was, they did rate the games a little bit. But you know what? We had in the 80s, 90s, we had mom and pop rental stores, we had Blockbuster. I rented 10 more times games than it were ever purchased for me. So that was how you tried games out. Yeah. That's how you try a game for whatever, $3 to rent a game for the weekend, and if it sucked, no harm done, because you you gave it back to them, you're not out the 50 bucks. Right. 
and, and once again, I think this is a problem with with them looking back on this now. Yeah, we have all the information on our fingertips, but um, back then we didn't. But there were still decent ways to learn if a game sucked. Word of mouth. Someone who already got yeah, classmates. Someone who already got burned on it. You went to your friend's house, and he usually had ten games. You didn't have you played them, or hell, you could. I traded and borrowed games. Oh yeah, we. I mean that. I that was fun. I always laugh that that was something that somehow got lost in the cartridge era. Yeah, or or at least with the increasing uh, complexity of games, was no one traded or borrowed games anymore because you couldn't get a good sense. You can't get a good sense of modern games overnight anymore. Yeah, I, I I think that. That's one of the things I probably miss most about uh, gaming is that you had to... It was more of a communal... Okay, it's, it's community online, but there's something different about gathering with people together. It's like, oh, this game, oh, this stinks, or let's try this out. And for the first time, you're going over to your friend's house to play it and see what this game is. Oh, Top Gun? Well, that's based on the movie. Let's see what this game's like. Versus, to me, there's almost... That's magical to me. And while, yes, that could, could be rose-tinted glasses, to me, that's something they missed out on the whole way how to explain a game to someone else that they never played it before. But they had to do this in 10 minutes and they had to get people to click on it. And it worked because we're fucking talking about it now. Pokemon! Pokemon's taking over the world again. Yes. Like it's 20 years ago with a new app called Pokemon Go, Ian. Which Pat hasn't downloaded. Treat me like I'm a complete idiot who's never played it because I have not downloaded the app. I cannot believe you did no preparation for this. Um, so, well, you have to explain what it is anyway. Pokemon Go, if you didn't already know, and chances are you may. You probably do, but here it is. Pokemon Go is a new augmented reality game uh, utilizing uh, Nintendo and the Pokemon Company's uh, ever-beloved creatures uh, developed by Niantic. Um, who did a, a previous augmented reality game called Ingress, which we'll talk about a little bit later, and that's the backbone for it. So what does Pokemon Go do? Well, augmented reality, if you don't know what it is, usually involves looking through a lens such as uh, your 3DS or your phone or something of that matter and seeing things in the video image or picture on your phone that are not actually there in real life. So Pokemon Go, in a nutshell, turns you into a real-life Pokemon trainer. And you have to go outside to play it. And as you go outside and you walk around, Pokemon will appear. You can tap on them, and just like in the game, you catch them with Pokeballs. There is no battling to catch these Pokemon. Um, You simply have to time your throws properly, and sometimes you have to hit them a couple times to weaken them. You can use things like berries to make them easier to catch. And just like in the games, you need to start compiling a Pokedex. A Pokedex of 151 Pokemon. Uh, the game is utilizing the original 151 for now. Okay. Um, which I think is important for a later point. Um, Pokemon Go uh, give, uses Google Maps. Uh, Niantic is actually, I believe, part of Google now. Um, uh, yes. Yes. Oh, no, they, they, they spun off They of spun Google. off in October 2015. They spun off. And they, are, they use Google Maps. And throughout... The cities in the country, there are little areas called Pokestops, and then there are, there are also gyms. Pokestops are little landmarks. Generally, at least in uh, San Diego, they tend to be uh, murals, uh, painted power boxes, churches. Uh, that goes back to Ingress. Um, places like that where you can stop and refill yourself on your expendable items, such as your Pokeballs, okay. your potions, your revives. Or you can buy those with microtransactions? You can buy them with microtransactions, but I'm going to get into why that's not really a big deal in a moment. Okay. Um, 
Then there are also gyms. Gyms, you would maybe maybe think are initially the the initial point of the game, but you can you can play. The nice thing about Pokemon Go is you can play it a couple ways. Gyms can be attacked. Now, what happens is if you attack a gym that is owned is owned by a rival team. So, I mean, James as well. No, oh, just gyms. gyms. Okay. Um, basically, sorry. The first time you approach a gym at level five, you pick one of three teams. And the overall goal of the game is to see uh, which team will control the most gyms worldwide. Arguably, that's one goal of the game. And to do so, there is very simple fighting. You use the Pokemon that you've captured and powered up or evolved. And you can weaken opponent's gyms. Uh, And if you take over an opponent's gym, you can leave a Pokemon there. And then if you approach a gym of the same color as your team, you can defend that gym or challenge that gym, train... And then if you're successful in your training, you can leave a Pokemon behind. And you get bonuses, you get coin bonuses and things like that for the longer that your team can hold certain gyms. So what's really interesting about Pokemon Go, and I'll come right out with it right now and say that I'm a fan of the game, is that unlike a game such as Ingress, which involves uh, capturing points triangulating, coloring that area. Which was done by the same company, right? By the same company. And it's it's a very much a competition over who's controlling more of the world. Uh, you can completely not be interested in the gym aspect of this game and just be interested in the just more ca- relaxed and casual catch catching all the Pokemon sure. aspect of it, um, which is very cool. Um, if you want to get into it, you can group up with your buddies and go decide that you're going to raid a gym and take that gym down and load it, stuff it full of your good Pokemon and see if you can hold that gym for multiple days. Uh, I remember watching... Uh, almost as a spectator from my apartment uh, checking Pokemon Go in the you know the first few days it was released to see if this really powerful red gym would go down and it was just it was up for three days unchanging and finally someone took it so when you have it set up to defend you don't have to look constantly look at it it's just no basically itself. you leave the Pokemon as just, strong as it, it is and itself. then and then it AI AI throws the attacks at the person who's actually playing and you can swipe to dodge or tap to attack or hold on to do a Pokemon special attack. Okay. It's a very simple combat system. It's it's it's, it's a numbers combat. game. Um so that in a nutshell is Pokemon. Uh, Pokemon Go. Uh it does a pretty good job of capturing the basic essence of Pokemon. There is no trading as of right now. There is no battling other players as of right now. From what I've heard from people who played the beta of this game, this is basically the beta refined and gone public. There is definitely room uh, for uh, improvement and additional options, and Niantic has already said that they plan on adding much more to this. What I find to be interesting about Pokemon Go, beyond the amount of people who are playing this because everyone's fucking playing this i watched a probably 50 year old woman trying to catch a fucking pokemon at a stoplight the other day is um it's a free-to-play game that as of yet has has even it hasn't even made me think about pulling out my pocketbook to dump money into it because the things that it gives you are in such plentiful supply that there's no reason to go and buy Pokeballs. You start with 60 of them. If you happen to live in an area that even has a couple of Pokestops near it, or if you live in a city, uh, the things refresh every five minutes. Mm -hmm. I initially thought, oh, they're going to want to pull this money out of my pocket as quickly as possible. These must refresh every hour. No, they refresh every five fucking minutes. So if you're at a job and you've got three Poke Stops nearby, 
you can just keep fucking spinning these Pokestops every five minutes and max out your inventory at all times. Um, I also think it's interesting because it is squarely, squarely targeted our age demographic. It seems like everyone we know is playing it, and there's a reason why, because everyone in our age demographic is playing it. Um, I think it's very clever of Nintendo to take, on the 20th anniversary of Pokemon, take a game, put it on smartphones that everyone our age has, limit it to the original 151 Pokemon that we all remember from our childhoods, uh, and put us out there in a world as actual Pokemon trainers that we're likely going to be walking around in to begin with. Um... I think that was a very smart move on their part. Um, it's also interesting to see, and this also started in uh, started with Pokemon Tournament. Um, there is definitely an attempt, I think, by Nintendo and uh, to to realize and recognize that there are Pokemon fans that are now hitting their thirties and forties. Sure. Uh, the Pokemon trainers that you get as your avatars in Pokemon Go definitely look older than the 10-year-old kids that you played at as in the original Pokemon. Uh, same thing with Pokemon Tournament. You're playing as trainers who obviously appear to be in their late teens, early 20s. They're acknowledging that the fan base for Pokemon is growing up as Pokemon grows up, too. Sure. So it's, it's, it's interesting. You don't... When you play it, you don't feel like an adult playing a game for a little kid. You feel like something that's aimed at you. And this is important for Nintendo because Nintendo... Has, they have you know stock in both um, their investor Niantic and the Pokemon Company. So apparently, according to this report, they receive around thirty percent of Pokemon Go's revenue. So because of that, Nintendo's stock has shot through the freaking roof. Their stock doubled, and they gained eight billion in worth in the first week. So for all those people who think Nintendo's going out of business, which I, I still don't understand how you ever think it's going to happen. We've laughed well, at that. All yeah, I will continue times. laughing that you idiots for saying that the past few years. Um, this is just another reason why they're being inventive about ways to make money. Uh, it didn't really work out entirely well for the Mitomo. It helped, but you have stuff like this. The NES Classic Edition is going to sell a jillion of those. Uh, so they, they're, they're finding ways, even with the, they're lagging the Amiibo, they're finding ways besides they're lagging the console hardware, hardware sales, they're thinking outside the box to making uh, tons of money. Nintendo is kind of showing themselves, despite the fact that they always have one foot firmly and stubbornly rooted in the past, they are trying to think, like you said, more outside the box. Um, it was shown, I believe, today in a graphic that I saw somewhere that uh, uh, Nintendo uh, has now surpassed Sony's total, total, Worth, which is insane, because Sony's a gigantic corporation. Nintendo it ha- now is worth more than Sony in its entirety. That is nuts. I didn't realize that. You know, you know, Sony's had some rough years. I'd have to see the chart, and yes, Sony has had some rough years. But this, I mean, eight billion is not a small number. Not even in now, business of course, terms. Uh, th- th- of course, that would only mean yeah. Um, if you get someone else to buy out your company, you could potentially make a lot of money. Otherwise, that's it's all stock value is obviously a theoretic based upon how much you think the money is sure. actually making, not actually how much is actually making at the time. Um, it's just it's just how much people are interested in owning the stock of the company is basically what that means. Um, it's, it's not necessarily not necessarily associated with revenue, even though a lot of times it is correlated. So, but otherwise, it's still great news. I mean, it's mainstream. I, I've turned on ESPN and people I saw it mentioned twice in one day in ESPN. CNN um, and BBC both had front page articles. 
basically stating, Pokemon Go, what is it? All the questions you were afraid to ask. Giving people primers that's as an, to what this shit was. That's absolutely insane. Yeah. And this is an app. Uh, if you look at how many people are using this in terms of the charge of, of use, it's, it's now more than Tinder. It's, it was more than uh, Tinder within a day. And it's catching up to Twitter. That's uh, nuts. On Android, the second day the game was out, there were more people playing Pokemon Go on Android devices than there were using Twitter. But that's insane, because almost everyone uses Twitter. It's like, that's such heavy uh, market saturation in a short amount of time. What has this been out for, a week and a half? It's been estimated that it's on. It's installed on 5% of all mobile devices. That's, that sounds small, maybe, if that's you, a lot. but that's a shitload. Think about how many people have it, because old, old people have mobile devices, little kids have them. Yeah, everyone has a mobile device 5%. Now. 5%. Wow, I am missing out on that. And that is worldwide, and, and you have to understand that when some of these numbers and were taken, not- the game is not rolled out completely worldwide yet. Um, now, does this mean that we're going to see uh, you know America thrown into poke fever for the next you know eternity? No, uh, obviously. I mean, I'm already predicting that within two weeks we're going to see a huge amount of burn-off. I don't think it's going to be two weeks. I think this is different than, like, the Miitobo. I think this is going to have a little more legs. Oh, I definitely think it's going to have legs. I'm going to give this six months. This is going to have a lot of legs, and I think it's going to be longer than six months when you look at the well, video game playing community. I mean, six months for the for the mainstream craze. I think the really? craze is going to last. You think so? Yes. Okay. Because, because Explain any- why, because I, I, I don't. I see I see people getting into it now, but within two weeks, especially the older players who are just downloading it because they've heard about it, I see that burning off very quickly. Because with the amount of mainstream coverage this is getting, you're going to get people who never played Pokemon before say, oh, well, I saw this on CNN, I saw it. and they're going to check it out, so a little bit surely they're going to get it, and it's going to feed it into itself. Okay. There's so many news stories out. So far, some positive, but some negative about a 15-year-old hit by a car after playing Pokemon Go. Uh, go. A, a guy was driving his car, drive, drove into a tree while playing it. Two uh, dudes uh, right around here up in Encinitas fucking walked off the cliffs. They didn't die. They got hurt, but they saying they were playing it. After so, climbing over a fence that said, do not go beyond yeah. this point. Okay, there, people are. this could be its own Darwin device for people yeah. that are fucking idiots. I understand that. But I'm hoping that... I'm hoping they want it to be a large of the crackdown and how this is used. The the, the, the one thing that was uh, the only thing that, that really kind of did upset me was kind of like, ooh, they got to think about this. Was reports that I guess there's a Pokestop in the Holocaust Museum in, in Washington. That's where it's like, okay, you 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 really got to look at at this a little bit and maybe look into some of these locations and move them. Or take them away. Well, you know, like from certain areas. For Niantic's part, they did launch like a day after. They were like, report inappropriate Pokestops and gyms and we will remove them. So they are are moving fast to do that. Because remember, at the end of the day, that yes, adults are downloading this. Kids are going to be playing this a lot too. Yes. You don't want kids like walking into a strip club or into a seedy area town where it's like, okay, let's... Let's be a little careful about this. I'm not trying to throw a wet blanket on it entirely, but this can be abused already. There's already been reports that I guess you can put, you can set up beacons or, or no. do some with beacons, or how does that work? Pokestops can have lures input into them. So you can't just walk into the middle of a deserted field and drop a lure and have people come out to it. It has to be a Pokestop okay. already. So there's a Pokestop in front of Luna Video Games. I can drop a lure in there, and for the next half hour, oh. the rate of Pokemon occurrence increases for 30 minutes. Have you seen increased business because of that? Oh, 
No, not really, but Treg will occasionally drop one in there just to watch all the people congregate outside and be like... Are there really those, yeah. like, random people walk up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you go to a place like... So to, to go back to Vani and I uh, hanging out on, on, on Sunday, we went on, like, a, what we called a, a polka date. We we went to Balboa <laughs> Park. Well, because Vani and I are, are into Pokemon, we always have been. We play the games, we play the card game. So Pokemon Go was something we were really looking forward to. So we went to Balboa Park to play. And Balboa Park is fucking insane. Right now. With people outside playing this? Just people looking at their phone, asking you what team I, you're on. There's tons. And it's where I feel I, a little bit mixed because so do I. there's a shitload of social interaction. There's people out there who probably don't look like they get out a ton. People are talking to other people. People are having a good time talking to strangers. Then there's also people who are looking at their phone and basically bumping into people and stuff like that. I, Every time my phone vibrated, I immediately stepped off the path or went to a corner, or got off the sidewalk, or did something before I did something else. But there are people who are just full stopping I, in the middle of like a, the sidewalk at the park to do something. I think something. it's good that you have, for the first time, an app that's going to get people off their asses and outside and exploring. It's got to be doing more. I mean, I, I swear to God, from some people, this is doing more than any other fitness app that's ever been put out. That's good. Yes. The bad part is that you're still looking at your phone while doing it. Yes. So that's like, okay... You're still trapped to a device. Like, when I yeah. go out, Frank gets pissed at me if we're out at a restaurant. If I check my Twitter every now and then or something, he gets pissed at that. So imagine Frank seeing someone walking around like this now. Like, this is now we're in a Twilight Zone episode. Yeah. You know. I, I No, and I agree. It, it, it's, it's good because it's getting people out walking. It's really good because it's getting people who might not be so social talking to other people. That's cool. It's getting people together in groups who are going out and having fun and doing shit, you know, in a new way that they wouldn't have before. It's bad because you're still tied to a device, but it's weird to me, and this is where I wrestle with it, because, yes, you are tied to a device, yet most of your social interaction from this game is real-life, face-to-face, talking-to-people social interaction. So the device, your phone, is necessary to play the game, sure. but we're not we're not trapped in Twitter world. We're not trapped in Facebook. It's... It's it's a gameplay tool. It's a piece of equipment that, at least as of right now, now if they enter, if they put in chat like they, I believe they did with Ingress, things will change. But as of right now, it's a tool to play a game that is still causing you to be very interactive with other people. Or you might walk off a cliff. Or you might walk off a cliff. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> or in, in this case, in St. Louis, it looked like two people used it to rob people. If they lured them to a location somehow. And they rob multiple people. So this is to me this this is uncharted territory where you're linking your game experience At to this real life location. Yeah. To real life locations. This is going to be this is why this isn't going to die off anytime soon. I think you're gonna see you're going to see corporations take advantage of this. It's already been stated that uh, um, much like they do with the, the normal Pokemon games, there will be locations where you can go to find exclusive Pokemon. And, of course, they will be Best Buys, McDonald's, and GameStop. Yes. That's that's where I think it gets a little seedy when all of a sudden you tie in an app game to, okay, check out, we're going to have a, you know, come in for a Big Mac. You can also get this Pokemon here this weekend or something, whatever they're going to think of. It's I don't want to like, apologize for that, but at the same point in time, that's... Uh, Free-to-play games in general. It is. Free-to-play games prey on you in all sorts of ways. They do, but this isn't like all all of a sudden, okay, come to our Best Buy to play your game better this weekend or whatever. I mean, it's smart for Nintendo. Nintendo's going to get tons of money from it. They're going to line up 
all these like stores and malls are going to say, how do we get in on this? How do we get people to, into our shop? Right. Walking in, looking at their phones, and maybe buying uh, a neck massager that I used to try out when I was a mall rat. Right. <laughs> at Brookstone. Yeah, at Brookstone at Menlo Park Mall. You know, like, like how are we going to take advantage of that? So that's why I think it's going to stay in the mainstream because everyone's going to try to get their paws on this and get their hooks in. How are we going to capitalize on this? I, I can see that happening. This, the second half of this year. I do want to point out one thing, just because it seems to be a concern that everyone's been having. Um, there was a, uh, a, a a chart, an infographic that was released today. Uh, the game's really not a huge drain on your data plan. So people who are like terrified that this oh, is isn't? going to kill your data plan, it's like nothing. Okay. It's like the average long play session is like six megabytes of data. Even if you have a two gig plan, that's like nothing. You heard it here first. Ian guarantees you you won't go over your data plan. If so, fucking Ian, look it up. Ian's going to offer to pay your overage. <laughs> look it up. But, no, but it's gotten so crazy. Did you see? T-Mobile is now offering Pokemon Go plans with unlimited data you for see a what year. I mean? It took two weeks from the to put it out. Not, Not even. even three days, three four days. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's big, and... I'm, I'm going to get sick of this before that I've been playing it. I I'm not. I, I know am. lots of people online are. I believe Billy, within 24 hours of the game chase, was like, I'm fucking done hearing about this shit. Me, I'm... I'm happy because I fucking love Pokemon, and to me, I, I'm not. I'm not even like this. I I can't pull this hipster get out of my yard. Fifty year old woman crap. Like to me, it's fun hearing people talk about it. It's fun. Will, will it get annoying at some point? Maybe. Do people need to learn better etiquette and not fucking stop directly in front of me so they can catch yet another Pidgey? Yes, but I am afraid to talk to this with Frank. How to break the news that this exists. <laughs> I am afraid he's gonna he's gonna flip he's the gonna fuck out because he's already on the edge of I hate smartphones and this and this is gonna be like holy shit he's gonna be like oh, augmented reality what the fuck, fuck is, is that, that? this what? is be like, this is reality this is augmented this I can is- go outside and use my binoculars to see <laughs> yeah. real birds that's reality reality I, I can see the red breasted hummingbird that's my augmented reality here here have some of this this is augmented reality, reality yeah all right so the NES PlayStation is back in the news. In a surprising twist. So as reported last year, you know, NES, uh, super, excuse me, Nintendo, not NES. That would have been cool, NES PlayStation. Nintendo teamed up with Sony to make the Super Nintendo add-on. And that eventually turned into the PlayStation. Well, the prototype was found, was that earlier this year or last year it was found? We did a, we did a couple of last stories year, on it. I believe. Um, and so they took it to, uh, what was it, uh, the retro gaming show in, what was it, Hong Kong? Or Hong China? Kong. It's a Hong Kong, it was a Hong Kong. And uh, they they tested it. It always it always turned on before. It was always a CD CD drive didn't work on this. It plays uh, plays Super Famicom games, and uh, it plays CD games in theory. And the the, the Super Famicom game uh, basically enables the CD drive to be accessed. Right. That's basically just similar to the Hue card on a, on a TurboGrafx-16. It basically adds a little bit of RAM, whatever, and you can access yeah, it. Yeah, as evidenced yeah. in what we're going to discuss, so, it, it shows that it is expansion RAM. So apparently the, the the individuals that found this, it was the son and his father who ended up getting this, I think, in like an auction for a very low price from where he used to work, like boxes of stuff, and he got it with a bunch of other And then they stuff. found it years later yeah. in, a, in an attic. So they brought it there. It worked. Apparently, somehow it stopped working uh, when they brought it back here recently. So they brought it to uh, Ben Heck of the Ben Heck Show. Who is a he's a great like engineer electrician guy he he mods stuff he did, they did the giant Game Boy makes all sorts of cool shit really cool show every once in a while something like this comes on where it's like wow this is gonna be cool so they did a teardown 
of the Nintendo PlayStation prototype, a 26-minute video, like really going through all the nuts and bolts, bolts analyzing all the uh, all the chips on the motherboard and comparing it to the Super Nintendo. And it was a cool educational lesson. I'm not going to remember all right now, but the highlights are basically... It's the, a Super Nintendo. <laughs> the, it's a Super Nintendo. Yeah. Which we kind of figured. Yep. Uh, it's a Super Nintendo. That's first and foremost. Uh, secondly, uh, they figured out the power of the CD-ROM drive in, in terms of the processor there, the speed. And it turns out it was a double-speed CD-ROM drive, which is fairly, for the time, fairly fairly fast and fairly impressive because we were still dealing early 90s with single... Sega CD was a single ROM drive. PC Engine Turbo Duo was a single-speed CD-ROM drive. And getting a dual speed in, like, whenever the was made, 92, 93, um, that was... That was uh, that was expensive to buy a, a, a dual speed CD ROM in like '92. Yeah, that was still really expensive. But they didn't come down probably till at least a couple more years. Like now, I would say '93, '94, and they're still like three hundred dollars then. So this is going to be expensive. We do know that this was going to come out. This was not going to be cheap, probably partially because of that. But it had less RAM, two hundred fifty six uh, uh, kilobytes of expandable RAM versus five twelve on a Sega CD. Overall. Uh, when you, when you factor in audio RAM uh, and everything else, video RAM, about half the RAM of a Sega CD. Yeah, so, half the operating RAM of a Sega CD. And then on top of that, the double-speed CD-ROM drive with its 8-bit bus, um, it's unlikely that they really would have been able to take advantage yeah. of, of the double-speed CD-ROM so, drive. So basically, what is, with the speed of the CD-ROM is how quickly can it read data. So you can read the data quicker but then can you use the data can you transfer the data can you, can you transfer the data the, around in any meaningful way that would yeah. actually make so the same double. with the same with the computer your computer has a processor and it has ram right the ram is how much information you can use at one time so if this had less less ram great you're feeding me information i can't spit it out yeah so it's useless to me it's still going to be slow which means that loading times would be slow still so then what are you getting out of it then access times i mean um so that was just interesting to finally discover that then again this might have been this a final version anyway. It's obviously a prototype, so maybe they would have added it later. We have no idea. It was interesting they brought up that for a a, a machine-tooled case like that, it had to have been pretty close to what they had envisioned as a final model. However, when they took it apart, they did see some wires jumped around, and things were obviously still on prototype stage. What I thought was interesting was kind of his final assessment of it, Um, and that was, quite frankly, when you look at the specs of it, you look at the Sega CD and you look at how that was doing necessarily and how that was performing. This very well could have been squashed because it just wouldn't have added anything of any real merit <laughs> no or real, use. No real value, especially yeah. if they figured, hey, we got to sell these for like 250 maybe. I'm just guessing. And then who's going to buy it? What game? Who's going to make games for this? Maybe they figured this was going to be a bad idea. Yeah, because, I mean, they... they Similar to the the 64 and N64 disk drive. Yeah, I mean, it it was shown that basically with what this was providing, you would not have necessarily received stuff that would have been a whole lot better than what you were getting on the Super Nintendo. Because they'd have to charge, obviously, they'd have to charge at least a Super Nintendo and then mark it up above that for the disk drive. Because, like you said, at that point, those would have been incredibly expensive. Yeah, because the Super Nintendo was still, we're talking 92, Super Nintendo was still $200 retail for the full one. Adding a CD-ROM drive back then, you're ta- and they're gonna make a profit on it. Four hundred dollars more. I think about it, this thing would have cost easily in ninety-two dollars or ninety-three. Right? They wouldn't sold any of them. You know, 
the, the reason the Sega CD sold, and the Sega CD sold a, a decent amount, but not a huge amount, uh, I think because there was enough time lapse in between two. Between the Genesis and yes, Sega CD. It, it was there was a moment there there was there was a there was a long enough distance between the Genesis and the Sega CD to make it feel like it was a true upgrade as opposed to like three here's and a half, system four years. Yeah. now automatically here's another system yeah. because if this was ninety two ninety three that they were looking at that's a year to two years yeah it's not I mean enough, that's not that's not enough time to convince people of the value of this and and, that, and again that dual speed CD ROM adds cost back then yeah. now you laugh at that but yeah between one and two speed that's cost so. They tried it, you know. Um, so part two of this video is going to be Ben Heck uh, restoring this back to life. Obviously, that'd be great if he does that. I th- he probably can. I don't see a reason why he couldn't. It's a CD-ROM device. I mean, yeah, he can tinker with it, get little parts for it. I mean, hell, he probably had to. He can probably replace the CD-ROM, find a similar one, and pop it in. You would think, you know, he'll he'll he'll, he'll, he'll figure this out. Going off of that, um, someone has released a game that will work with uh, the... Technically, will, would run on a working Super Nintendo PlayStation. And um, it's a duo uh, from Germany uh, that go by Chronomoogle and uh, Dieter Laser. And they made a game called Super Boss Gaiden uh, for the Super Nintendo and also for the Super Disc, uh, the, the, the CD portion. And uh, honestly, the game <laughs> looks... It looks fun. Looks like a lot of fun. Um, basically, uh, you play as uh, the, the CEO of Sony, and uh, he finds out that uh, the, the last known prototype has fallen in the U.S. hands. And basically, it looks like a really fun action beat-em-up platformer where you just go through and you rampage through all sorts of recognizable yeah. characters <laughs> like Sackboy and Parappa the Rapper. And uh, it honestly, the Famicom disc system mascot is Yeah, in I was going to say, there is yeah. Discun. And it really looks like it a looks, fun game. It's fun, and it has a great concept. Yes. I, I think a lot of people don't realize that a lot of times having an original concept adds so much to these homebrews. Yes. It's not only to say, oh, I'm just going to do a beat em up. Make it fun like this, and plus, it, for the format they're putting on, it makes perfect sense. And even the little angry little sprite of, of the uh, the Sony uh, president is hysterical. Yeah, it's, as it's, he's doing uppercuts and jump. Kicks. It's funny. I noticed in a lot of the animation, it looked very Kunio Kun. You know, it looked very River City Ransom. It was very nice. Um, the whole runs on the Super yeah. CD part, though. On let's, the other hand, I'm let's sorry. Nip, let's nip this in the bud before this comes up every other week. Because because I believe we've already covered this once. Yeah. Making a game that can access the CD-ROM drive and run the ROM, that, to me, is not particularly special. Um, especially since they've already... I mean, this you can already... This game could technically be put on a cartridge yeah. and played exactly this the same. This is a Super Nintendo game. This is... This is... It's neat, but all you're showing is, okay, well, we've learned the, the BIOS enough that we can, we can make this happen. Super Disc games are not going to impress me. Nintendo PlayStation games on the CD format are not going to impress me until you're making use of the features that are allotted to you because of the 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 CD features. So whether that is a little bit of video or audio um, tracks, or basically that's all it would really take really yeah. to impress me at this point is give me a CD audio track. Sure, give me something like that. Give me a switch from chiptune to Redbook audio or something. Show me 
make it unique because if it's just the same game running on a CD, it's an interesting technical feat. But you're, it's it's not the same as say, you're not really saying, "Hey, I made a game for the 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 the, the, the Sony place or the Nintendo PlayStation." Yeah, unfortunately, they were not there yet because they they figured that out. How, how to, if there's any what's allocated? Yeah, in terms of resources, how to how to get to those resources to use that. Well, that's part of what you know Ben Hex can do. We can probably can fi- figure out you know maybe c- c- could it play full motion video and and have audio that's you know right so quality. Well, we'll I don't see. I don't want to sound like a, a downer. No, no, the, game not, lo- the game looks the game great. looks really fun. The but, super disc part yeah, but, but is, but is not impressive. What we're trying to impart is that taking the same ROM from a cartridge and putting it on a CD format to be read doesn't change the game. Right. That the format doesn't matter at that point. That that's what we're trying to say. Uh, with this, but it, I'll check this out when, um, yeah, I, hell, I, I, I play this on a cartridge if they came out on a cartridge. It's just cute that they're putting on a CD. They have a little burn CD. The, the cover art's cool. It says, it says it has the, the old PlayStation logo they were thinking about, you know, and it has the four, the four Famicom colors, uh, for the Super Famicom buttons from the, from the, uh, joypad so, or controller. So that's really cute. So, okay, time for some YouTube news here. So, the uh, FTC, Federal Trade, Trade Commission, came out with a press release. Coming down hard on Warner Brothers. Well, it was a settlement, really. So, there was a game that came out a little while ago. Was it like a year and a half, two years ago? Uh, Middle Earth Shadow Shadows of Mortar. Which I believe got pretty good reviews. Yeah, straightforward action game. For a, you know, for a Lord of the Rings game. Um, so, said they... That Warner Brothers uh, failed to adequately disclose that it paid online influencers, which are basically YouTubers and people online, including the this is in their this is in their uh, the press release from FTC, the federal government site, including the wildly popular PewDiePie. Um, they paid him thousands of dollars to post positive gameplay videos on YouTube and social media. Over the course of the campaign, the sponsored videos were viewed more than 5.5 million times. So, under the new announcement. Warner Brothers is barred from failing to make such such disclosures in the future and cannot misrepresent their that sponsored content, including gameplay videos. Uh, uh, they basically ha- basically what they're saying here is that it has to be crystal fucking clear going forward that any sponsored video is says it's sponsored. What I like about this is that they they say that it it, it you know putting it in the uh, the more information segment of, of a YouTube more. video is not we'll, good enough we'll because, talk about that in a second, yeah. because if it's linked from YouTube or Facebook, people aren't going to see this. Yeah. So, um, I'll get there in a second. But they don't want they don't want to think that people are just randomly uh, consumers, potential consumers, uh, and YouTube viewers are randomly watching these videos saying, oh, uh, these YouTubers are playing this game, again, all in the same fucking week or two-week period, and they all like it. Okay, I'm going to buy it. Right. Because that's skeezy as fuck yes. to do that. And so that's why the FTC uh, came out with rules in the past year or so that really hardened about these before. Before it was like, oh, there's no rules for YouTube, even though Common Sense told you there should be rules. Why should it be different than advertising on TV or radio? But they had to come down and say these are the rules. Um, so basically what's at stake here is that uh, before, uh, well, in this campaign, their YouTubers didn't disclose at all. Like, at all. PewDiePie disclosed. But the other ones did not, PewDiePie, what I gathered from it. PewDiePie actually disclosed that he was sponsored. Now, we'll get to, to PewDiePie's response in a bit. What this comes down to on YouTube is it's called the fold. Think of a piece of paper. Uh, in the comments, it's like three lines. You, you only get like three or four lines before you have to click show more to show the rest of the, of, the, of the description of the video. 
So what what is done, or what PewDiePie actually did, is that in the show more section, you click show more, it said this video was sponsored by Warner Brothers. So while technically for the time he got away with it and was fine with it, that wasn't enough for the FTC that they had to make rules for stuff like that, saying it has to be clear either in the video description above the fold, above the show more, or you come out and just say it right away. Well, I believe what they said, and that's what I was going to ask, above the fold doesn't count anymore, because if you link this video uh, through Twitter, you don't see the fold. Oh, maybe they, maybe they so, said no, that's it, ha- it, it explicitly has to be in the video that this was sponsored. It cannot be in the fold. It cannot be in text. It has to be explicitly stated, because when you link these videos outside to, like, Twitter... So, for instance, if someone retweets one of our, our, our podcast videos and I click on it, it just starts displaying in a window. There is no fold. Unless sure. I follow that video into YouTube and then check the fold above the fold or below the fold, you don't see any of that information. So, if someone's simply watching this from Twitter or from Facebook, they're not going to see any of it. Uh, the FTC also alleges that the Warner Brothers contracts with influencers subjected their videos to pre-approval, which I've seen before. That's pretty common. Uh, and then on at least one occasion, Warner Brothers reviewed and approved an influencer video that lacked adequate sponsorship disclosures. Like, okay, it's good to go. Sell us the game. Ew. So that that's kind of gross, too. So, yeah. Um, so the, the, the order from the FTC specifies the minimum steps that Warner Brothers or any entity it hires to... Con- this is more specific to coming down to Warner Brothers about the new rules. Uh, this is like, okay, you fucked up big time. We're going to be watching you now. Uh or any entity it hires to conduct an influencer campaign must take must take to ensure that future campaigns comply with the terms of the order. These steps include educating influencers regarding sponsorship disclosures, monitoring sponsored influencer videos for compliance, and under certain circumstances, terminating or withholding payment from influencers or ad agencies for non-compliance. So they're going to be watching Warner Brothers now with a with a magnifying glass. At FTC, which well they should, the, yeah, because yeah, they they it sounds like this was egregious. Especially if this was oh, yeah. wide, wide reaching. You have one person who did it hidden. They acknowledged it, and no one else acknowledged it. I mean, that's that's well, bullshit. Let's talk about it. So, so PewDiePie has been targeted from this, rightly or wrongly, because he's the biggest guy on YouTuber. He was paid for. Well, he doesn't claim he does reviews. He does gameplay. It's the same effect on the consumer. You're you're advertising. Whether it doesn't fucking matter if it's just gameplay. You're footage. influencing whether or not someone's going play. to buy or not buy the. You're game. showing having fun. You're it's it counts. It's advertising. It's paid advertising at this closing. So he came out with a video basically saying Scandal wasn't rubbing his nipples, though. Good. Wasn't rubbing his nipples. I, I give I give the pewed uh credit for that. But he's basically coming saying that people are coming after him because he's the biggest YouTuber, it gets clicks, that's why, you know, Polygon wrote their article and targeted him and other websites. And, you know, he's right in that aspect. Where it's like, why aren't you going after the YouTubers that didn't even disclose it at all? I at least disclosed it. It might have been under the fold. But, hey, back then there weren't explicit rules about it for YouTubers. It was a great area. So he's right about that. So I have to give him credit there. I'm not, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think he's wrong there. At sure. All. Um, so my, my thoughts, though, about him, though, is that, is that, uh, I'm not tr- he, oh, I'm sure he's a good dude, but it seems like he he gets very indignant about this stuff. I think more than he should. Yeah, whenever we cover something about him, which by the way, I feel like it's far too often. Maybe we can <laughs> just <laughs> not cover him once every uh, two, three months. Just, is too much. Just every other fucking you know story every, every other season. Um, he comes across as insanely defensive about everything. Yeah, I'm not so much upset about him for stuff like this versus the fact that. 
he highlights like there's this there's this PewDiePie PewDiePie hater who's like this ten year old kid, and he highlights him in his videos, and he says, "I don't want you harassing this kid. I don't want you going after him." But that's going to happen anyway. Yeah. Because he has his legion of fans are fucking 10 years old and 13 year old and 15 year olds. So he has some weird fucking judgment when it comes to certain things. He just does. Not saying he's a bad guy. His judgment is kind of wacky. Yeah. That's all. You know. So it is good that he defends himself in this because I, I don't think what he did here was over the top bad. He did disclose. A little sneaky, but I mean, like you said, he's right. There were other people yes. who were far more uh, r- appropriate targets. Yeah, and he, and he wants to splice hairs that I wasn't doing review. I was just saying the game is fun, but again, it's fucking advertising. It doesn't matter how you did it; you showed off their game. Well, and, and that's something that, like, uh, I mean, Total Biscuit says too. Oh, I don't review; I just you know play games. No, yeah, but. You, the tone in your voice, whether you're having fun or not, when you make fun of something or praise something, you are still, at the end of the day, reviewing the game or putting the idea into yeah. someone's head, whether it's fun or not fun. If and that's are, the same thing with PewDiePie. If you are saying a game is, is even fun or not, that's a review. review. You don't think it down to the nuts and bolts of, well, the graphics was an 8.5 out of 10, and the, and the, uh, the gameplay was a 4. Yeah. You know, that's not necessarily a review can be, this is fun. This movie is good, or this movie is fun. That's a fucking review. It's a caveman eloquence of a review, but it's a review nonetheless. Pat shirt, good. That's a, that's a review of Pat shirt. Mr. Gimmick, cute. That's a review of how cute Mr. Gimmick is. I don't fucking know where I'm going with this fucking topic. It's done. Is it done? It's done. So it's just in the future. I mean, as uh, again, Warner Brothers, mainstream entertainment in general, using YouTubers, the new frontier, people rubbing their nipples, gambling sites. We've graduated. FTC coming down on YouTube. This is mainstream entertainment. This isn't a a, a fun site anymore. People try to try to say it's a hobby site. It hasn't been a hobby site for this nine. Hasn't been a hobby for nine fucking, fucking years. Yeah. It has been a hobby site. As soon as they were sold to Google. In about a year after his existence, it stopped being a hobby site because it was all about the money. It was always yeah. investors. So stop being fucking silly. It's mainstream entertainment. It's alternate TV. It's it's now the kids growing up without TV. This is their TV. Yeah, it's not even alternate TV. This is TV. This is their TV. <sighs> That's sad that we're their TV. <laughs> Anyways. We're their TV, Ian. Yeah. <laughs> So, I am not a tech head, and I uh, scoured this, and I'm going to do my best, but this is still really exciting to me. Um, Incredible, because I spoke about this before in the podcast. Sega, yeah, we, we actually, I think, talked about this recently. Sega Saturn's copy protection has finally been cracked. Woo! The Sega Saturn has always been a notoriously difficult system <gasps> to work on. Um, Emulation-wise, emulation copyright, couldn't yes. burn the discs. There were mod chips that worked, but uh, those have long since been out of production. So, uh, Dr. Abrasive, um, the man behind something that I'm actually very... uh, uh, um, What's the word I'm looking for? Jesus. That I'm very uh, very much in the know of. Uh, He he created what was known as the Dragon Derp uh, Game Boy cartridge, which is a flash cartridge for Game Boy that is one of uh, many modern ones, uh, but considered one of the easiest to use that uh, people who program music on... um, on uh, Game Boys, okay. they use it because it's easy. It's literally it's called Dragon Dirt because you take LSDJ and you put it on the cartridge oh, and you're done. Okay. You're done. That's it. So 
He's uh, big into the chiptune scene and big into messing around with hardware. And his interest in cracking into the um, Sega Saturn actually started with his interest in accessing its sound hardware. Because not only did it have uh, CD sound, but it also had its own sound chip. So, like many people, he started digging into it and realized that the Saturn was a complicated fuck-all mess. And that the discs were... Sega was big on special types of discs. The GD-ROM, um, even though that was very easily taken down. The Saturn discs were unique. They were CDs. But they had an interesting um, copy protection mechanism, which is a wobble pattern on the edge on, right? the, on the edge of the disc that was used to detect whether or not it was official. So and you couldn't just burn your own CDs. Because the press discs that you bought didn't At have a, a store, wobble. did not have this wobble. They had their own spiral engraved in them. So even though the Saturn was running on CD-ROMs, there was still something special about the Saturn CD-ROM that made the copy protection very difficult. So without getting too crazy into the nuts and bolts of it, uh, after looking into a lot of things and realizing he was hitting dead ends, he began to access the VCD port, which is video in the CD, which is in the back. Now, for people who... Because it's a it's it's a niche thing in and of itself. Sure. Um, VCD was a short-lived format. Video that, CD. Video CD, predecessor to DVD. Oh, did they sell at those computer shows I used to go? But to perhaps the successor to Laserdisc. Um, yeah. It's a very weird format yes. that was video. It was. It's exactly what it sounds like. It's a video CD. Um, it was very popular for pornography, anime, anime. I remember, remember the yep. professional Gogo Thirteen. I bought a video CD of it. It was official. But yeah. It was a video CD. Uh, basically, every VCD I've ever seen has been anime or JAV, which is Japanese porn. Um, so, I mean, that tends to be what video CD was. But for a moment there, it looked like it was going to it be was, a big thing. It was like three fifty times two eighty. Well, I think it was even six forty times. Was, it wasn't very good. Yeah. Um, but it did look like it was going to kind of be a big thing, cheap to produce. You know, didn't need specialty stuff like laser discs. Sure. Be done on any CDs. Sure. You just had to have the right codex. So the expansion port in the back of the Saturn, you could actually put a VCD card in there that would allow the Saturn to read VCDs. So did it come out here though? I don't think. No, 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 no. VCDs is, as far as I know, I don't think any VCDs ever came out here. I mean, I mean this. Oh, it, it didn't. But I'm just saying, I don't think VCD in general ever took off in the U.S. Um, and through uh, examining and exploiting this VCD port. Uh, he's found a way to create a card that, using a USB drive, will actually allow you to load um, ISOs in a variety yeah. of formats directly <laughs> into the... Um, pardon me if I'm wrong. Not the CD buffer. I can't remember exactly what he called it. But basically load it directly into the part that reads so, the data. So it was smart because he figured, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll try to just go through the normal w routine and find find the tree branch of where is this... Where can I shut this off in the main main brain you could say the Saturn and he couldn't find it right so he, then he figured well okay well if this lets you access video CDs something in that decoder card must be able to shut off this protection because video CDs don't have that wobble so he went into that and said okay now I got it I found the way which is funny because no one ever thought of that before yeah that's amazing that's no, like, I mean, it's the guy, the guy, it's so simple the guy's genius. genius the guy's genius so um, 
Anyways, I mean, long story short, there's there, there's info out there. You can you can watch. There's a half hour video on it. It is actually very interesting. I'm not going to pretend like I can speak on it knowledgeably, but there is plans for him to release this because um, Saturn drives are failing regularly. Uh, yeah. Lots of Saturns that come into the store, I can't take in because they don't read, and I don't think the person's trying to screw me over. They're like, "Well, it worked a year ago. Vonnie's Saturn worked a year ago. We tried to hook it up two months ago." CD drive is sure. dead. So this is a way to... It's not, it's not like you can't fix them, but this is can. It's expensive and this is easier. This is easy. What's going to come down the line is this. He's going to come up with a way to basically eventually plug in a USB drive via that video decoder spot and be able to load games onto that USB drive and play that way. Yep. And as it is right now, and he's already stated there are certain things that he won't be adding, there's only going to be minor incompatibilities. Uh, certain games that require MPEG decoding, which he said he's just not going to bother getting into. Uh, and there's very few of them. He's like, nope, that's not going to happen. No, I'm not going to do an SD card. He's like, don't ask. He's like, we're using USB, better storage, well, cheaper. I, th- I think they even sell USB drives that you can even put a put a SD in to convert it. Uh, I mean, perhaps. So, I mean, anyways, I mean, it sounds like he's basically got the specs down for he, what he wants to do. It's just a matter gonna, of mass production. He's going to create the first flash drive for uh, for a disk. Uh, excuse me for a. Uh, a CD-based console. That's amazing. Not quite. Oh, oh. Dreamcast. Remember, we actually talked about it. Oh, that's it. right. We actually talked that's about it. That's right. And how, and how it was weird how the, the guy was making them and he stopped making them. Yes. Oh, okay. But still, this is this is probably far more impressive, at least in my eyes, because you well, had yeah. to get around a fucking fortress to be able to do this. Yeah, they cracked the, they, they cracked the Dreamcast like you know, within a year. It's a fortress with a tiny wooden back door that no one was guarding. Yeah, it was it was there the whole time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No one said, "Oh, what's what's that slot? What is this slot going to do?" Maybe because no one in the U.S. ever used that. So, I mean, honestly, this is the sort of shit that makes me very. I, I don't know. I just get. I think it's fantastic because like I'm. I'm just thinking back to the late '90s when I, the only reason I bought a Saturn was for Fire Pro Wrestling S- uh, Six Man Scramble. And I was thinking, can I just load this in my CD and have an emulator? Do it? They couldn't even come up with a fucking emulator for the Saturn. How long did it take to get a decent emulator for the Saturn? I mean, I don't. I mean, think, I still. There's still, there's still a, isn't a decent emulator for. It's the amazing how like I don't know what fucking crack team worked on that that locked it down. Yeah, he even goes into it like in the video how how like he he admires what's been done with Saturn emulation, but even Saturn emulation is very there's 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 things that don't work properly. That's nuts. This, this, the, the emulation does not work one to one with the processors. It it'll work this in a, cycle, a set number of cycles and this in a set number of cycles instead of everything moving as it should. You're gonna have like Wii U emulation working perfectly before a Sega Saturn potentially. That's nuts. Well, Sega was always known for making hardware a bit more complex. I mean, the Saturn's always been known as one of the most complex systems. Well, probably didn't help it. Nope, it didn't. We love, you know, what we love in games. We love microtransactions. We love we love crates. We love crates and paying money to see what you, random uh, you know. We're gonna we got ten minutes. We're gonna, gonna open the pack right now and see what we got. <laughs> That's what these basically are. When you when you have these crates or drops that you pay for. So Rocket League, which is the insanely popular, I guess racing slash sports game where you it's a game of soccer with a giant ball that you hit around with your car. A lot of people play this. I tried to get into it and found myself wholly uncoordinated it, it to play looks, it. It looks fun. Oh, I wish I liked it. I, I want to like this game so bad because the idea is great, but I'm just fucking miserable at it. So so they're adding a system. Jesus Christ. The developer is uh, Psyonix. A crate system to the game, just like our good old Counter-Strike Global Offensive that's in the news, where 
uh, you're going to pay to get these drops. And uh, they're not going to give you any advantage, first and foremost. It's not like you're going to get a drop and your car's going to go faster. Right. Or you're going to be able to jump higher. Or I don't know. Can you blow up other cars in that game? I don't know. Is it like Carmageddon? Can you, like... Have missiles and stuff. I'm no, like, I don't. I don't believe. No, it's. I believe it's just sports. God, I love Carmageddon. Is that gonna be a new one? Uh, they just did a new one. Oh god! Literally, I fucking signed into Steam the other day, and I was like, they made a new Carmageddon, or maybe yeah. it was on PS4. I don't know. There is a new one. That first one was a masterpiece. The second one was buggy as hell, but that first one was a masterpiece. <laughs> anyway, getting off topic. So these crates um, will not affect the gameplay. That's awesome. But the more awesome thing is that the player has the option to turn off seeing these skins or whatever the hell else they're going to be. So it won't affect their gameplay experience at all if they don't want to. Yeah, I think that's actually great because you can be like, yeah, I got this awesome rare skin. I'm going to go show it off yeah, to everyone. Okay. And it's like, Fuck uh, yeah, sorry, I have uh, skins turned off. I don't want to see them. So really, this only matters... To the to people that want to see it. Fucking 12-year-olds? <laughs> 15-year-olds? I mean, I mean, to anyone who wants to see it, but, you know, the, you, you can't rub this in anyone's face. You can shut it off. What are you going to do? Over your headset, be like, yeah, you can't see it, but I got the sweet cougar skin. Okay, great. Can we just play the fucking game? I got the spinners on my car now, and it's like, all right, don't care. So, I, I like that. Um, I also like that they already said that they will not be able to be handled in the same way that CSGO skins they, are handled. They can't be sold in the Steam Marketplace. They can't be sold in the Steam Marketplace. So, Only in-game. So, it is a microtransaction. It is totally cosmetic if that's your thing. Cool. But no one has to look at you. No one has to listen to you brag about it. And no, you cannot gamble with them. So, it also means probably that, yeah, that there's not going to be like an inherent value put on these because of rarity because you can't exchange them well because no one can see them if they don't want to so yes yeah, so that brings the value what's, down to what's i mean there's no i mean that 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 to me eliminates the value you can't prove to someone you have something if they can't see it and they choose not to or if they don't care about it yeah if, they if they're not buying into that part of the game anyway so the rocket league championship series is august 6 and 7 so i'm guessing by then they're going to tell you a lot more about how much money you'll be able to get out of your pocket to, right to do your car up I don't know, maybe do like a DeLorean version, or I don't know. <laughs> that would actually be kind of cool. It'd be like, like I said, it won't even be like Mario Kart, because in Mario Kart, it affected how you raced. So this wouldn't even do that. This is just going to be, you know, do the Mercedes thing, and people freaked out having, you know, partnering with Mercedes. It didn't really affect how you raced. It was just another body. It was balanced. Yeah, but I mean, at least that was a different car, though. Oh, I mean, sure. It, sure. But this won't even be that. It'll just be, oh, I got, uh, I don't know, flames on the side of my car, or whatever. That's basically what I can think of right now. All right. Let's talk a little bit about <laughs> scapegoating. Um, I'm really getting fucking tired of fucking churning this shit, but whatever. Let's talk about uh, Tekken 7, swimsuit costumes, and SJWs. Let's. First, let me state something a little, a little bit about political correctness, okay? Uh, you don't have to... Um, it, it, this is no longer really SJW versus, versus Gamergate. This is this is a war between political correctness and, and, and people who, who see it as evil. Um, well, they see it as censorship. They see it as censorship. Um, Tekken 7's out in Japan, and there are swimsuit costumes that are in Tekken 7. Yeah. And when asked about, because these days it's the first thing anyone fucking asks about when a video game comes out is, how much skin am I going to be able to see? Instead of, you know, is the game any good? Um, when, um, 
Katsuhiro Hirado has asked about the, 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 the inclusion of the swimsuit costumes in Tekken 7 because that's at the burning forefront of everyone's fucking mind. He said, uh, ask your country's SJWs, ha, 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 in a twi- tweet that he later uh, deleted. Um, as a female fan who did not care said that the tweet made hit them upset and that they didn't care, he apologized and he deleted the tweet. Yeah, he said, I'm sorry this message is not for females. I'm sorry if you are sad. Which doesn't make any fucking sense anyways. Uh, And then later on goes on to say that, oh, perhaps they'll be available as DLC. But they were included on the disc in Japan. What this is is a little bit of, well, since uh, your country's SJWs, blah, 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 we'll give you the chance to own these uh, skins if you choose if you are not an SJW, you can purchase them for a fee. Well, they were in the past, right? Tekken Tad Tournament 2 did not include them. But this is... Remember when we talked about Dead or Alive Extreme? Yeah. And uh, Play Asia, that awesome company, was like, oh, it's the SJWs that are you know, keeping this game from getting released instead of perhaps poor sales and the fact that they're generally fucking awful games. Um, it's... Look... There is such a thing as being too PC, and it can ruin things. And there is such a thing as being an asshole and being completely on PC. But there was no outcry over Tekken 2 swimsuit. Mm-hmm. That's not why they weren't there. There was no outcry over it. You look at the, the lead-up to something like Dead or Alive Extreme. There was no outcry. Okay. okay. You look at this. There is no fucking outcry. And you can say something about... Um, you know, perhaps setting a tone, but games like Dead or Alive 5 have uh, succeeded in the U.S. with tons of swimsuit DLC and scantily clad females because that's how the game is. Games like Senran Kagura, which I play, where women's clothing gets destroyed as they fight ninja battles and you see more and more skin, uh, constantly get released. Um, this is no longer on the boogeyman in your closet, the fucking SJWs, this is on the company deciding whether or not they want to put this out in the United States. There is pure evidence that games like this, with content like this, get released in the U.S., and if there is backlash, it's not affecting sales. Mm -hmm. So what this looks like to me is a cash grab with a scapegoating uh, of, of, of incredibly politically correct um, mindsets, which okay. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm on neither end of those I- extremely, but it, 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 it's, okay. it's, it's dumb. Sure. I'm, I'm going to say this. Uh, I think, he, I think he made a tone deaf joke. I sure. obviously didn't make no, it. No, I think, I think he, that, just, sure. he just saw catch word SJW. Ha ha ha. I thought, right. people, I thought people, maybe people, thought people from both sides would laugh at it. Maybe. Right. And he just no, I, I definitely he I, swung and he missed. I do not think he actually meant it wasn't malicious. Any, yeah. There was no malicious intent. He swung. Sometimes when you're comedian trying to make jokes, you swing and you miss. Yes. And he pissed off some people doing it. We do that. Now, to his credit, though, there was stuff like the Blizzard Overwatch butt pose thing that people bitched about that they replaced with one that's arguably far more sexy and but, exposing. But there is stuff that happens. Every once in a while, I'm not saying they they follow through with it, but there are complaints about stuff. So fuck. I mean, but yeah, but it's obvious if it's a series that had bikinis in the past, and people didn't bitch, they're going to have it in the future, and he's going to make some bucks off it with the DLC. And, and my yeah. thing with this is, you know, people are, are are I think too quick to to yell censorship. Um, 
not including these swimsuit costumes, which obviously they're going to put plus out as there, DLC. There's male swimsuit costumes, yes, too, correct? and well. ones for animals as well. Like, I mean, it's for everyone. The, all all they're doing... The dino's going to have it? And, and, and it's common. I've, I've experienced it because I, I bought Guilty Gear, uh, the new Guilty the Gear in a different bear, region. Big Bear that was a thong. Some things that are included on a disc in, in one region are DLC paid in another. Sure. Um, so this is a way for them to make money. But people are too quick to cry censorship. People want to talk about um, Armika's ass slap, or they want to talk about how in the new uh, Street Fighter Five story mode, uh, it was uh, they discovered that there was cleavage originally in Jury's design. She's a, a, a character that they're adding to Street Fighter Five, and they covered it up. And they're very quick to cry censorship, not realizing that you can see. Uh, down the Grand Canyon, that is Laura's cleavage in Street Fighter V. You can see Armika's ass clearly and her tits in Street Fighter V. If this was censorship, if this was a company trying to squeaky clean a fucking game for a country because they're afraid of SJWs, then why would they leave some of it in and take some sure. of it out? It's called creative direction. It's what a company wants to do with their game. What's this news about? Did they censor Cammy's nipples in the latest Street Fighter Five patch? No, not in the patch. It says that they took the nipples out in um, the Evo tournament. Oh, just in the Evo. Like, yeah, that's that's what I had read. <laughs> that's pretty funny. <laughs> I don't think anyone was using her. Uh, the whole tournament or just ESPN because no just, one. Was, I think it was just ESPN because no one was using her character anyway. I guess just yeah, in I case think, they and that's, that's what I read was uh, it was ESPN. But regardless, it's okay. So you take out an ass slap, but you have a low cut totally exposing top on another character. They're not... That's... I, I well, refuse so, to see that as pandering to an entire audience well, because if you were that terrified, you would have fucking put everyone in Puritan dresses. Well, sex censorship never makes any sense anyways. It's the dumbest thing ever. Sure. When you actually go back. There's, there's no rhyme or reason to it. But okay, you made a bad joke. You apologize for it. You know, I think it'll be the end of that, you know. And, and now people will download the, the, the swimsuit DLC just like Dead or Alive 5 has hundreds of dollars worth of swimsuit DLC. Literally hundreds of dollars. I like how they're so small where it's like, you might as well have their like, it's like, oh, a pasty that big and a little string you can barely see. It's like, just make them nude at that point. There's plenty of... Just make them nude! There's plenty of good 3D sex games on the PC. If that's what you want, just learn how to fucking use a torrent. Go back to, what was it, Virtual Valerie. Remember, that was the first one in the late 90s, Virtual Valerie. Well, and the thing is, is people always, like, you know, the people complaining about uh, fucking, um, you know, Dead or Alive Extreme 3. Uh, you know what? Learn how to play Sexy Beach, the game that was put out on the PC that Sexy was meant Beach. to uh, mimic that, but just focus on sex and nudity. Yeah. I mean, it exists. Just go out and torrent it. How? Get what you actually want instead of a teaser of what you actually yeah, I never, want. I don't, I don't play games uh, yeah, you don't play fighting games to get tilly, at least I don't, that to me is weird. Porn is porn and games are games. Well, some people, I can't well, and there are porn games which are fine, but I'm not I'm, looking to play a, I'm not a judging, fighter I'm not judging for that. But yeah, I'm not I'm not focusing on jiggling boobs when I'm playing my fighting game. I'm sort of like in the action at yeah. the moment. Does this play but, well? Alright, well, I'm not, but I'm not 12, so I don't know. No. All right, we have another sort You'll of... You'll be completely free, by the way, of saying that, whereas I'll get torn apart for everything I said. You don't get torn apart. I think people realize you're a little... People realize you're a perv in a lot of aspects. Oh, I'm a huge safe. perv in a lot of you're aspects. Not, Ian is not a Puritan. Ian likes the big asses. I love the big asses. I love boobs. I love... God, I love the female form. All right, onwards. They got creepy. All right, so... Uh, Ahmed bin Fahad. He lives in the UAB... Uh, Excuse me, UAE, United Arab Emirates. Huge Nintendo collector. And so I guess Guinness came out to him 
and looked at his collection of Nintendo games and items over 8,000 pieces. Um, and it's valued at 1.5 million dirhams, which is over $400,000. So, um, I remember seeing this individual before. Apparently, he's a policeman. I guess policemen get paid a lot in the UAE to afford a huge video game yeah, collection. Uh, the picture here, I remember him for another article because he has a really fucking cool uh, Triforce... Custom-built Triforce custom shelves are shell. awesome. So he has three triangle shelves, and in the middle... There's a plaque or something of some sort. Maybe that's the Guinness Book designation, and he has a large collection. Perhaps. He, he yeah. says that he only puts Zelda stuff on those shelves. Okay. He has a pool table in his room, which is cool. There's is a pool table there. Looks like really cool cool floors he has. Looks too. like the guy's doing all right. Let's He's just doing fine. Right, yeah. He's got some awesome <laughs> sandals. He's got the traditional garb. I'm not familiar with the name, though. Um, and he has his shelves. He has one shelf that's like a Wii games. He has his Nintendo shelf. Um, he has all his box. For some reason, he has four of the re-release of the Wii, the red version that they re-released. They gutted the it. Mini. The mini that is actually, I think. You can I still think go the to, mini is cool looking. You can still go to Toys R Us. Yeah, I think find them probably. You know, so he has a bunch of those, and so he's got a Famicom in the picture. He's got, he has the Famicom version of Rob. Um, some Famicom. He has a Power Pet. It's a cool collection. The big things he has that he likes are the M8 that he says, and uh, what was the other thing that was the what. Yeah, I don't know. What? I don't know anyone who What's owns that? one of those. <laughs> Is that an M8? <laughs> who has that? Besides uh, this individual. So, Ahmed uh, bin Fahad. So, uh, I'm not poo-pooing this guy's collection. I'm just going to say this. There are huge... We always say there, there are huge video game collections that either are known about that or bigger than this, or people don't know. For Guinness... A Guinness World Record just means that you called Guinness and they came out to see you and to verify it. And they verified it against what they only know. Exactly. It's not like Guinness is looking up, oh, wow, we know about this guy online with his collection of 12,000 games over in Missouri or whatever. You know, it doesn't work that way. South so, Carolina, actually. What's that? I know a guy who, who's got like 12,000 games in South Carolina. I think it's South Carolina. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Call up Guinness and have him come out to him. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it comes down to, do you want a plaque? Now, oh, that was the plaque in the middle of his Triforce. I wonder what was there before in the middle of that Triforce. I don't know. So, he obviously, he's a huge Nintendo fan. He said Nintendo was actually popular in the 80s there, late 80s. He said it was very well known. Um, he said he just has a connection to it from youth, which a lot of people do. But I don't want to sound like a dick here. This is where Nintendo starts to get really fucking boring for me. Everyone has a connection to Nintendo. The origin story of why you collected all this stuff no longer means a fucking goddamn thing. Everyone loved Nintendo as a kid. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean you don't have a cool-looking collection. Doesn't mean that those Triforce shelves aren't fucking awesome. And it doesn't oh, yeah. mean, like... It, I mean, that collection's cool, but, like, the whole... Oh, I have a real attachment to Nintendo because that's what I played as a kid. Well, yeah, so did every fucking one else. I'm just going to say this, though. This comes from someone that I don't know how many games I have. I speculated with the thousands. I don't know. I don't give a shit how many games anyone has. No. I don't give a shit if you have 10,000, 1,000... What do the games mean to you? Right. Do they have a special place in your heart? Why are you collecting? Do you have cool stories behind how they were acquired? Did That's you just cool. get them off of eBay? Did you stumble upon, uh, you know, an M8? Well, I won't get to that story. I didn't stumble upon it, but I worked out a weird deal how I got it across the country. Anyway, it was a private deal. Um, I care about the quality of your collection, too. I'm more impressed if you have some cool items I haven't heard of, and then you only have like a 500 versus... You got 8,000 pieces, and they're all dog shit. 
I don't care. Yeah, I'm not talking about him. No, no, him I say, no I'm not talking about him when yeah. I say this. And I'm not going to mention what I'm talking about, but there's been plenty of stories about people with large video game collections, and there's absolutely fucking nothing interesting no, in them. No, it's shit. I don't care that you have 10,000 games if the majority yes. of what you have is complete sets of sports games for yes. every system. If 4, I'm, 000, I'm unimpressed. If 4,000 of those 10,000 are PS1 and PS2 sports titles, doesn't really matter to me yeah. that you have all those games, which is probably about 4,000 <laughs> PS1 and PS2 sports titles. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter. Um, so, maybe I should, do, should I count my games at one point? Should I do that? No. I can't even get through counting my records. Good luck getting through counting your fucking games. How many how many uh how many records do you think? Probably only about a grand. About a grand? Probably about a grand. Should we call Guinness? No. Is that enough? No, that's not nearly enough. I know people have ten thousand. Should I do something wacky and go for like uh the most copies of like Lee Trevino's fighting golf in the world? I would say most copies of Danny Sullivan's Indie Heat would be the more obvious choice. Yeah, that, but that's gone up in value recently. I'm not sure why that has happened. I have no idea. Just a random game. It wouldn't be a certain podcast. No. <laughs> I can't wait until I can call Guinness Book of World Records and have the largest Mahjong game collection in the world. And they're going to be like, there, there's got to be some idiot somewhere around the world that has just as big a fascination with, <laughs> as you do, or, or bigger. Yeah, probably. Work on getting the Nintendo... Uh, that NES one, then we'll talk yeah. at that point. Then I'll be jealous of something in your collection at that point. All right. Moving on. So, real quick, this is just kind of interesting, because out of fucking nowhere, three Turbo Graphics games appeared on the Wii, uh, the Wii U eShop. Um, we got Bonk's Adventure. We got um, New, Adventure, uh, New Adventure Island. And we got R-Type, of all things. Oh. And uh, it's, it's cool, and it's interesting to me, because... Um, on the original Wii, um, I think a lot of people, when we talk about Turbo Graphics collecting, right? Mm-hmm. We talk about how people kind of made a lateral move when they were done with NES, or they had exhausted it, or they had completed it. They made lateral moves to things like Turbo or Sega Master System. But much like you always say when we talk about the explosion of of NES collecting, the Virtual Console does deserve uh, a, a bit of note when it comes to Turbo Graphics because this was the first time a lot of people were exposed to them. Or found out about what these games they exist, what? Period. Um, Turbo Graphics games were not underrepresented on the Wii. They, there no, was there, quite, was, there, was there was quite a, a few. A few dozen at least, wasn't there? Yes, there was quite a few. Um, and then when the Wii U came out, there was like nothing. I mean, the fact that they didn't just—I mean, I'm sure there's some weird reason, but the fact that the virtual consoles didn't just transfer over. There had to be a licensing. Yeah, it had to be a licensing issue. But it was just bizarre. Um, and out of nowhere, here we go. We get three Turbo Graphics games, um, and pretty fucking good ones at that. Um, well, it's important that to our Konami, where Konami's like, yeah, well, let's, let's let's finally fucking make money on this shit we we've owned for the past five years. Or so. None of these are Konami. Oh, I'm sorry. None of these. Well, no, only the, one of them is not first party to NEC. No, Konami. Konami owns uh, owns Bonks Adventure. No. Oh, okay. Now they own it. Sure. Okay. I yeah, guess, they I own guess. Adventure Islands. Yeah, okay. The fuck now, you now, to now do? they do. It's trying to look like an idiot on my own podcast. Sorry, I'm thinking of who originally owned the property. No, the Konami's sitting on this shit. Okay. And they haven't made money off of Bonk or Adventure Island yet, and this is a way for them to do it. Fair enough. And they are too. They are two easily recognizable games. Yes. Um, and also, with the increasing price of something like Hudson's Adventure Island, it makes uh, the, the new Adventure Island, it makes a, a, a great choice. Um, and those games are great. The weird one for me is R-Type. 
Yes. Um, because that's Irem, and that's weird. And uh, I'm sorry, Pat. I didn't mean to doubt you. Um, I'll apologize on air. <laughs> uh, but as as great as our type is, it's not like this is an arcade perfect port. So to oh, me, oh, it, it isn't. So I'm not familiar with that on the turbo. No, it's it's not. I and that, hate it just, it just. I mean, it, I hate. I hate. I mean, I hate this game. I, I love hate our type. I don't like our it, It's divisive. Yeah. Um, I love the game, but it's just weird because it's not like a definitive port of it or anything like that. It just seems like a strange choice. It was a good version for the time. It was probably the best version out there at the time. But right now, it just seems like an odd an odd choice for it. Um. Either way, I hope this opens the door to more. Um, I actually, because the complete prices in both Japan and the U.S. have risen sharply, do not own a copy of... uh, um, I can't remember what they call it in Japan. It's not Adventure Island. Adventure Island in Japan is, is different. Uh, but uh, I, I, it's Wonder Boy 3. I don't own a copy of it because of rising prices. So I will probably actually buy this for the Wii U and play it because the game is fucking fun as hell. And what about my copy? And uh, it was loose. Um, That's right. I would love to see Devil's Crush put out on there because I'll buy Ooh. Devil's Crush as many fucking times as people ask Ooh. me to. I Who have it. Com- I have it complete. Was that NEC? Or, or uh, that, 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 that was any, yeah, that was NEC Hudson. Um, I will own it as many times as people ask me to. That game is fun as hell to play with people. Um, so I hope we start to see. It would be weird to it see was it. NEC. In, yeah, it'd be weird to see it in the twilight years of the the Wii U. But I hope we get. Um, maybe not a deluge, but at least a sprinkling of of other Turbo games. Yeah, I don't understand why. Yeah, they, they didn't go. I guess Nintendo figured, or I don't know how it works with the, with the, the virtual console versus the eShop. If it comes out, come to Nintendo and sell them the items, or Nintendo wants and Nintendo's like, hey, we should get more s- stuff for our shop. Or I guess a combination. But I guess maybe they figured who's going to buy Turbo games on the Wii U. I guess that's. There's yeah, always going to be someone's going to browse. <laughs> it doesn't cost them any money. Right. You know, just it's like everyone gets a cut, right? The, the, the developer or publisher gets a cut, Nintendo gets a cut. Exactly. So just put them out there. So you're going to have some people being, oh, I like Bonk. I remember, you know, if you're going to get a, a Turbo Graphics game, you're going to start with Bonk. So it'll probably sell. Yeah. Never, I'm surprised though they never put on, now we're talking about it, you know, they never put on those rare Turbo Graphics games anywhere. They're always like the more common ones. They don't even get to like the even somewhat hard to find ones usually for Turbo Graphics. Like you never, I'm not talking about Magical Chase being on a virtual console. No. You never even get that far with the rare ones. You you stick with those safe like twenty to thirty ones usually. It's like oh the ones that you you probably could have owned if you knew they were if it was around. I wonder why that is. Just kind of curious. That is strange. Past metaphysical Turbo Graphics sixteen <laughs> question of the day. Let's talk about a Kickstarter. This is a fucking weird a, one. From a, a company that will never die and will never go away, ever. It's a Kickstarter of biblical proportions here. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. It's the Arcade. A-R-K. A-D-E. So, this is uh, from, uh, I guess it's Wisdom Tree uh, that's helping do this, because it's their games. What it's going to be is a NES controller. With the Wisdom Tree NES games built in, which is Sunday Funday, Spiritual Warfare, uh, Battle of Jericho, Exodus, Bible Adventures, King of Kings, and Bible Buffet. Yeah. So, I thought it was Joshua, not the Battle of Jericho. Why is it they changed the title on that? Yeah, I think they might have. So, uh, yeah, it's Joshua. Be courageous, Joshua. Well, it's Jericho in there. Uh, anyway, so they're going to have all the games playable via menu, and that's going to run you for that controller. 
It's going to run you... I can't find it right now. How can I cannot find it? Because there's a thousand different perks. That's yeah, why I can't exactly. find it. It's all the way down there. The arcade plug and play early bird is $35. $35. All right. Uh, then it goes up to 45 what 45 is, to 50 it? I'm not sure what determines that $5 fluctuation. There's also going to be the Sega Genesis uh, collection complete in box. Uh, for all the Sega, Sega Genesis and put it all seven on the top of my head. I can't remember which ones they didn't put out. But this is what I'm interested in. There's going to be an NES multi-cart, which could be cute to have an NES multi-cart of the Wisdom Tree games. Because it is officially licensed. Wisdom Tree still exists. Yeah. And what I think is actually kind of cute is they're doing, um, for, for three of the games, uh, there's actually a perk where they will come in um, 1990s, 1980s style big box PC boxes. Uh, so they'll come in the glossy cardboard boxes with the game and a DVD on a CD inside, manuals, and they're saying there may be extra goodies. So it would actually be interesting if they went kind of the XCOM route and included some feelies. Um not a religious person, but honestly, the idea of this company just doing something so weird like that, like putting out big box style PC games of, well, I mean, these I, these Christian games that, I mean, I believe, people barely even remember I as be- more than a footnote. I believe it's rare, but I believe Supernova's Ark was on the PC. Back oh, maybe. okay. I believe. I don't know if I've ever seen it in person, though. But so the Genesis version is going to have Exodus, Joshua, Bible Adventures, and Spiritual Warfare. Um, it looks to be similar graphics, maybe beefed up a little bit uh, from the NES versions. But let's go over the quality of these games. Overall, not the best. Spiritual Warfare is a competent, competent okay. Zelda clone. There are three that you should play. Spiritual Warfare, and then basically uh, Exodus, and the sequel, uh, Joshua, which are kind of action maze games that, yeah. are, that are well done for what they are. Yep. You gotta shoot enemies, you get bombs and stuff that you can drop. It's like, you, it's hard to screw that up. Bible Buffet, this is where I'm hoping that they really, like, they showed, like, uh, in the, the gameplay video, you know, they're like, oh, play Bible Buffet. You can't really play it in, in its entirety because there's quiz questions. Yeah. You need to have the book to, to go through to get the bonus for that, or else you, you just guess. So I'm, hopefully they have the documents to do that. I'm not sure. I didn't see it mentioned anywhere. So that's the problem with that game. Otherwise, I mean, there's it's you it's a board game. It's like playing uh, Life, and then there's little action sequences yep. where you blow up the heads off of potato people. It's really weird. Sunday Funday, they were out of their fucking league trying to make an action game like well, that. Well, that's just a reskin of Menace Beach, Beach, Beach. Which was awful. Which is awful, and it's the same awfulness, except that they just changed out the sprites. Yeah. And they got rid of the girl's decomposing, rotting clothes, where she's chained up in between levels. And instead so you're just rescuing your chained-up Sunday school teacher. And they included Fishfall and a certain karaoke. Uh, <laughs> the less we remember about that, the better. The uh, roller coaster ride of life from for him. Yep. Go look up the uh, NES, no. the classic moments from the first <laughs> annual NES marathon. No, excuse me, the second annual NES marathon. Classic moments where we sang that. Second one was right. The first one was the first one we went around saying that. Yeah, we loopy re- as fuck. We we opened the sealed copy and then we we re- re- re-sang it for the fi- third the fifth. one. Fifth? Oh, uh, fifth maybe. Fifth. Yeah, we we did okay. it twice. Okay, so that's the, that's there. And then you have I'm in Bible Adventures is not a good game. But I think it's goofy fun. It's not a good game, though. I it, just think it's, it's goofy. It's passable. I think I gave it maybe two stars. Two yeah. Two stars to it. Is there any scrapbook? Oh. Um, and then you have uh, King of Kings is terrible. 
That could be arguably the worst, worst one out of them easily. all. Um, so you don't buy these games to have a joyous. You don't. Well, first of all, you don't buy these games to have a religious experience or to teach about religion. You buy them to have goofy fun, first and foremost. So if you want to buy these just to play, uh, the cartridge is, wor- is a hell of a lot less than buying Sunday Funday, which is I think over a hundred dollars for the cartridge alone. So if it's licensed from them, go out and get it. If you really want to play these games, it's going to be a lot less than buying the NES games. I, I mean, I'm not trying to promote. I it. I don't even think. And I'm just guessing, but I don't think even the most religious people out there are going to be buying this as a no. religious tool or a religious replacement for video games for their for their kids. Uh, what's the term? Non secular. Secular is right. You know, is a non secular video game system replacement. This is going to be an amusing thing. Uh, whether I think you're religious or not, this is more for for yeah. a laugh and amusement. Um, and I honestly, the price points aren't ridiculous. I find no. the price points to be pretty fucking great Honestly, actually but you're not like, like you said you're not buying this because you're getting a magical treasure trove of great games you're buying this because spiritual warfare is mostly playable and that's about it yeah uh so so far only there's only been one backer for the actual plug and play controller what one backer at 35 everyone i think wants that uh uh the multi-cart nine backers for the multi-cart and it goes up from there with sega genesis there's a few I don't think there's a... You said what? I was like, what? Hey, I'm just looking here. Arcade plug and play, right? Early bird. Yeah, but there's, they're they're almost halfway to their... Oh, um, they'll reach the goal. Yeah, they're almost halfway to it with 25 days to go. Oh, no, no. The super... Okay. Oh, sorry, I'm sorry. There's been 48. The super early bird is only $30 for the controller. Gotcha. Okay, I'm not telling you how to do your, do your Kickstarter campaign, but when there's a super early bird and an early <laughs> bird, you fuck with my brain. Because <laughs> yeah. there's like 40 things here to look at, and I glanced over it. I couldn't find it. So the super early bird controller with the built-in games is 30 bucks. With all this, with seven this games. this this will hit its on uh, novelty factor yes. alone. This is going to hit its I might incredibly be, modest goal. I'm actually almost in, tempted to do this. I might be interested in either the Genesis one or the NES one. To be honest, uh, Genesis one would be goofy because uh, yeah, just a play line of Genesis would be fun. You know, I kind of um, just want a now, big box Super Noah's Ark. What are ridiculous are the stretch goals? I will say that stretch goals and it's uh, checkered. Race pink pattern is, yeah. is funny. $75,000, they port Super Noah's Arc 3 to Sega Genesis. Great. Which is interesting, I guess. I guess it could run on a Genesis. I, I guess. Um, if 150000 is reached, they put it on the Dreamcast. And at $350,000, you get a playable version on DVD? No, they're going to do a, a motion picture. A motion they're gonna picture? They're going to do a <laughs> Can you just please do like a three-minute movie, please? I, we have to see that. Yeah. Um, I don't see how... Wow, that's like Dragon's Lair Kickstarter territory. That's actually pretty fucking funny. They should have just said... They should have just said 75000 We'll do a five-minute movie at 75000 I'd want to see it hit. Yeah. Just to see that. That'd be hysterical. All right. And by the way, you can still buy uh, Super Noah's uh, 3D. They sell licensed uh, Super Nintendo ones, newer ones. Yeah, but you can still do it's that. A reprint, but they offer um, They actually offer it as a yeah. Perk. It's like forty bucks here, and you know, hell, I don't even know what the real one goes for. I'm lucky mm-hmm. I got. I paid forty bucks for mine on Amazon, complete in box. Like I don't know, six seven years ago, I was lucky to get it. Then I don't even know what it's worth now. So there you go. Best of luck to uh, to them. I think it'll be fine. Uh, it's going to hit the goal. 
And the lady that, that uh, uh, owns Wisdom Tree used to work with a very nice lady. I actually met her at Game On Expo last year. Oh, nice. Very nice. All right. Is that Q&A time on the CU podcast? Oh, no, it's not. George Takei commented recently, Ian, this is... on the uh, the sexuality of the of character Sulu. of of his oh my of Sulu in the new uh, universe movies, which the third one's coming out uh, this week. I find this to be very interesting, um, and I, I I'm going to be careful with my commenting just because. Uh, okay, so George C.K. is the the original actor of of, of Sulu on on uh, Star Trek, mm-hmm. uh, created by Gene Roddenberry, who was portrayed as a straight character. Uh, George Takei is gay, uh, very outspoken for, for advocate advocate for for gay rights. He's like eighty four, I think. He's old uh, and still funny, still pretty fucking whip whip crack smart on things. Um, How's that voice? And he's got a very sultry voice. Very sultry. Voice. Um, and so what's happened here? Is, but 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 George Takei is also very very loyal to Star Trek. Big fan of Star Trek. Big fan of what Roddenberry was doing. Um, big fan of the barriers that Roddenberry was breaking down at that point in time. Um, people forget what a big deal uh, Kirk and uh, Uhura's or kiss, kiss, the, kiss yeah, was. Yeah, interracial kiss. I mean, uh, there were southern TV stations that refused to broadcast it. Um, but it's been announced that in the new Star Trek movie, uh, Sulu is going to be made to be a gay character. And this was being done theoretically, at least. The, I mean, it was it was all the good intent of um, kind of honoring George Takei um, by kind of having uh, because I believe this movie is taking place before what would have happened in the original series. And well, no, this is an alternate universe. universe. Oh, it's actually not an alternate. It's an alternate timeline. That's okay. what's important to the conversation. Okay, well, that's, because in the, because in the first movie, time split. It split because of that the the, the, the ship okay. came through and then fucked things up, destroyed Vulcan. It's a different timeline. So, what what's happening is they're writing Sulu to be a a gay character in this newest uh, movie. in this newest movie, and George Takei's not particularly happy about it. And it's interesting because here you have someone who played an iconic character, who was homosexual, and. They want to do something to honor him, but the guy is a an advocate for rights and 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 and, and seeing different sexualities and genders in media. But he's very upset about the idea of Sulu being portrayed as gay because he believes it interrupts the vision of what he was so what he is so attached to and what he's a part of and what he reveres. And his argument was, why couldn't you have just made a new character who is homosexual and introduced them into the universe? So it's it's odd to me because... The idea I don't came know. from Simon Pegg, who's, who's yes. actually writing, right. co-writing it's, the new movie. Exactly. Play Scotty. If I was George Takei, and I'm not, but if I was... I would be kind of honored that they were doing this. But on the other hand, I understand George Takei's reverence for what he was so integral in, 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 in making, making a big thing. This is a very strange, um, just because, because of points you brought up, here's a, here's a guy, and by the way, he's 79, not 84. I think actually it's closer, well, I think actually Shatner's almost like 90 almost at this point. Jesus. He's gotten there. Unfortunately, there's only 
couple, a few, a few of them left. Anyway, um, he's wrestling with the fact that yes, he's a big activist for uh, LGBT rights. Has been for I think for like ten years. It came out in like two thousand four or five. It's been yeah. at least ten years. It's, 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 it's been a while. Right before he started appearing like on Howard Stern, yeah, people, he blew up because of that. So he's at one point he's looking at it. Well, this character I, I portrayed this character for however he portrayed it for thirty five years or thirty years to portray the character just about. So he's looking at it as well. Well, I portrayed the character a certain way. You're not respecting that right aspect of it. You're doing your own thing, and you know, sort of like you didn't ask me beforehand. To see if I agreed with it. Well, they went. did talk to him about it, and he said no. I, oh. I, I they oh, did. So that's even it's, worse. It's in the article. They talked to him about it, and oh. he, he had basically said no. I'd prefer that you didn't do that. So that that then that's disrespectful. Then yes, because that means then Jesus, why would you do that? Because now you're giving all of them this attention that he didn't want to with it. Right. So, I, I I and I, I guess it's just you know I feel bad because he's probably going to get backlash. Like oh well then you know why. You fought for all this, and then they do it, and then you look a gift horse in the mouth. But I, I but like I said, it's it, but it's him, his it's not character. A, but him, it's not a, a gift, gift horse. To no. him, it's to him, it's either probably pandering or is it going to be a distraction to yes. the film? Exactly. So I, I now now he's making now you're making Sulu something he wasn't, wasn't. and a, a focus point that is, it shouldn't have been to begin. And with. that's that that was my whole point. Yeah. I was talking is the, the the issue here is not them putting a gay character into the Star uh, Trek universe. George Takei wants that. He, he wants that. He just wants it to be a new character. He doesn't want the character that his friend Gene Roddenberry wrote and that he portrayed for years to be tinkered with in a way that, as you said, could be for attention-grabbing. Mm. Uh, or or um, I'm not usually one to think this way, but for, for agenda-pushing. Um, because I, because yeah, there's, there's, this, there's other ways you this. can do this. And if you have... And I, and I think I'm safe in saying that because if you have someone who is as outspoken... Of an advocate for LGBT rights as Takei saying, please leave that character be and do it in a new character, or yeah. do it with a new character, then you're not really respecting that person. So, you're not honoring that person. So a scene was written that shows Sulu uh, with a male spouse raising their infant child that's going to be in this film. Yeah. <sighs> the, the only problem I have with these films to this point has been, the, the biggest one is the fact that they've changed... I don't mind the fact that they have more action in them to right. dumb them down because they're still fun. The change in the characters, even before this, the, the, the biggest one that doesn't make any fucking sense, which this doesn't piss me off at all. This is just kind of a dumb decision to me. Where it's like, you really have to do that? Like, what pisses me off were the writers of these new ones. Again, this is not an alternate universe. It's a different timeline. So the characters are the same. Right. They're actually, they should be, they should be they acting should be exactly, exactly the same. same. Sure. So the only thing that really pisses me off is that they made Spock have a relationship with Uhura, which is so mind because in the original shit nothing, nothing. Spock was, you know, for the most part, not entirely, but besides that little, largely icy cold, icy cold, sexless, except for the time where he went back to his planet to yes. battle out with Kirk famously, to 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 get his betrothed or whatever. But he he's sexless. He's so logical though that he would never. Have sex with a, with someone on the, the bridge I'm of his crew. own shit, yeah, yeah. his crew. That's not you can't do that in the real military. You can't do that shit, let alone an, on a ship you're out far away. He would never do it. So when I see these movies, I see them inserting unnecessary shit like that. So for me, this is the next step where it's like you're bringing me out of it. Still, long story short, 
bring in all the gay LGBT characters you want. I'm all for diversity yes. in movies. But if I, I, I'm with George Takei on this. If this was meant to be an act to honor him or to honor the character, and he does not feel like it is doing such, then you are oh. disrespecting the man. And he actually had a daughter, which I didn't realize. I see. I haven't seen Star Trek Generations. It's terrible. But he mentions a daughter, and then in a, in it turns out da, 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 that in a novel that it turns out he had sex with a glamazon to have the have the daughter. Okay, I guess there's glamazons. All I love that. Anyways, I just if you're gonna honor someone, glamazon. you should legit. You can't force that. They have to. They have to sign off on that for it to be considered an honor. Glamazon Star Trek porn. We're moving on. Okay. Q&A time on the CU Podcast, Ian. I'm hungry. This is uh, from at MusicManJW. I'm hungry, too. If Nintendo released a mini SNES like the new N- like the new NES, what games would you like to see on it? Like the what? <laughs> let's start with 30 games, and we're going to have to run through 30. But let's do kind of like Nintendo did and sort of have like two-thirds Nintendo, one-third third party. Okay, so... Star Fox, Super Mario World, Yoshi's Island, uh, the Donkey Kong Country games, if you could swing it somehow. Legend of Zelda Link to the Past, Super Metroid. Yep. And then let's get some third-party stuff in there. We're going to need Contra. We're going to need Final Fantasy. Well, they won't allow it if they didn't allow regular Contra. Well, no Contra this. 3. Okay. Um, you would need a Final Fantasy, whether it be 2 or 3 in there. We'll just say 3. Or Chrono Trigger. Um, something along those lines. We'll say both. Sure. Uh, Earthbound would be huge. That's the one I think. If they're going for mainstream, they're going for what are the games? True. Like the, what are the okay. games that the casual person are going to want to see? Let me dial it. And even Chrono Trigger is right in that line. I think a teeny bit. But. You'll have to. You'd have to probably eliminate the licensing. But Ken Griffey Junior. Baseball. I mean that that was Nintendo's sports game at the time. I mean people don't kind of forget it, but that that's Nintendo. <laughs> baseball featuring Mr. Dream. Yeah. Be- okay. Baseball featuring Mr. Dream. I'll give you that. Uh, that's probably you're right. That's probably the biggest sports title they had on the system. Yeah. Why not attack most Super Bowl three? Well, you can't do it because of the teams. Well, no, the technical they're doing the teams are probably just taking out the names. Sure, um, I think I think you'd be fine with just the Ken Griffey because uh, that was the biggest one. You're right. That's I wrote ten. I don't love the Super Nintendo, so I can't go much further. Uh, Gradius three. I mean, because Gradius is already on there and it was All a launch right. title. That was a big one. SimCity. You think SimCity makes Sim it, or City. too much licensing involved? No, because uh, no, I think SimCity could probably do it. All right, or maybe. I mean, we're talking fucking dreams and 12? whatever. Anyway. Sure, SimCity. Um, I think uh, a uh, Mario Kart. Oh yeah! How can you forget Mario Kart? You'd have a Mario Kart. Street on Fighter Two is going to be Street on there. Street Fighter Two would have to be. That'll on make there. that. I think. I think they can get the rights to that. Oh, Capcom on there. So Street I, Fighter Two. I don't 2. see Mortal Kombat being on there because of the violence. Um, Turtles in Time. If they can get that's a, that's just the game license. Uh, it's it's Turtles, Turtles license. license that's out. Too. That's why people were saying Sunset well, Riders. Yes, I think that'll make it. Konami I, wants the money. Konami wants the money. It's just it's an, not like just it's not it's it's kind of common, but not uncommon. It's in there where people enough people probably play. Pilot Wing seems like a shoe in. That's a shoe in. I think Pilot Wing's a shoe in. Uh, I think that's a shoe in. F Zero's a shoe in. Yes, you need a racing game. That's like seventeen, eighteen. About uh, we talked. So we said like we said F Zero. We said Mario Kart. So that's what genre are we, are we missing? A genre puzzle. Puzzle. Uh, can't do, can't Tetris do, Attack. Can't do it. Tetris won't do puzzle, it. Call by its normal name. It wasn't called that here. Called. Whatever the fuck it was called. Puzzle de Pond. Give it a different You can do name. that? Is that technically a Tetris game? No, it's not. It's not. 
Uh, but but they call it puzzle tech on the DS or something like that. Well, I mean, it's got its own name. Well, the audience does not know that though when they see it. You got to think about that. It's possible. Show a big box shot on the. You know, What's the what was the, what was the, the Yoshi was there a Yoshi puzzle game? No, and those games sucked. Those were on the NES. Uh, actually, Yoshi's oh, Cookie was probably oh, on the Super oh, Nintendo, oh. and so is Wario's Woods. That'll probably be on there just for the fuck of it. Super Punch Out. How many, how many stars do we get? I, Super Punch Out. Super Punch That'll out. be on there. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I'm done. Super Punch Out. No, I'm not done yet. We've got a few more. Do you think an outside game like ActRage would make it on? Enix is now owned by Square, so yes, there's... I mean, Square Enix is its I own company, so there's Act a possibility. I think ActRage could make it. Yeah. That was just a, early that was, enough... Pop- it was early enough that it was in enough homes that it was popular. And if, it's, it, if it was a later release, maybe not. And it's different from the other games. Mm-hmm. Just enough. Sure. So we just said we just, we just said about twenty two games there out of thirty. I think most people will be like, ah. Oh. And in the comments, feel free to add your own suggestion. Keep in mind, here's part of the game: Could Nintendo get the rights to it? And would the casual person off the street have remembered it back then to see the game, want to buy it? Yeah. Enough. And here's the thing: because I came from it, you know, you think I think from retail, but Turtles in Time wouldn't work. And you got to think. We're not going after the collector's market here. No. So when you make your list in the Don't say Hagani. Yeah. When you make your list in the, the, the comments section, make sure you're thinking of games that would sell to the same the same group yeah. that this NES is gonna sell Don't to. Don't say Mr. Nuts. Yeah. Or, wh- <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, da, da. At Contravania. <laughs> I don't know why that makes me laugh. Uh, Pat and Ian, if NEC were to somehow release a Turbo Mini, or TurboGrafx Classic Edition, what are at least five games that you would want? Alright, this will never ever happen, because no one owned the TurboGrafx-16 really, and what there were 94 games to choose from. We'll just say they're going to offer 20, and a 94 would be a fifth of the library. And only. we're leaving it to cards? Yeah, it has to be, because it's going to be in the Okay. Mini. Okay. Devil's Crush. I think at this point we can't say which was the casual person remember because no one's going to remember any of them. No, so it's just what I want and what you want. So we're going to say 20. Devil's Crush. Alien Crush too? Or no, just one. one, Uh, one No, I I would want both. I mean, the question asks for five. All right. Well, okay. So Devil's... I want to expand it though. We'll just say 10. Okay. 10. Devil's Crush. Bonk 1. Bonk Revenge. Legendary X2. Bomberman 94. Okay. Uh, Bomberman 94. I was going to say the first Legendary Axe. Uh, Bomberman 94. I, Legendary Axe 2 is the better game. Sure. Okay, we're just going for better then. Yeah. Yeah, we're just going for better. We're going to say that. Fuck it. We'll throw Magical Chase on there. Okay, Magical Chase. Throw a couple more um, shooters on. Blazing Lasers has, Blazing to, be Lasers on has there. to be on there. Uh, Final Soldier. Well, more importantly, Soldier Blade would have to you, be you, you, on there. Is that, a, is that a horizontal one? Shooter? Vertical. Let's, let's get a horizontal uh, Horizontal. Oh, Magical one. Chase we got. Yeah, Magical Chase. I always want to say like Star- Gate of Thunder. Uh, oh, Gate of Thunder. But that's CD. That's CD-based. Star Soldier? Um, if you want multiple Star Soldiers, sure. Uh, Soldier Blade is a Soldier oh, game. Sure. Um... God, I'm... Arrow Blasters is a, is a hard one. Is a cord, and that's... Fan- yep, that's a card one. That's fantastic. Do, 20. Um, do any sports games make it? On there. Are there any worthy enough to make it? World Tennis, because it has an RPG mode. Okay, Ian, I'm going for the ones to sell this. I don't think it's going to sell it. Bloody Wolf has to make it. Bloody Wolf would only, have to make only, it. Only running Splatterhouse. Splatterhouse has to make it. Um, Absolutely. Splatterhouse has to make it. I would throw. You know what? World class baseball is pretty pretty good sports game for sure. There. I would bad. put world class baseball on there. <sighs> Running out of steam already. Well, my knowledge of what is U.S. only card is is actually quite low. Well, there's something called the internet. We can put Terra 16 games real quick and come up with. 
if this was PC Engine, I'd be. In I, a I you know what? Fuck it, Newtopia. We need we need yeah. something like a Zelda type clone on there. Uh, Dungeon Explorer. Yes. Uh, Ninja Spirit. Ninja Spirit. I would obviously yeah. Ninja Fuck Spirit. it. Military Madness. Military Madness Only would definitely time. be on there. I think that's good. It's about twenty to twenty five right there. I think we're in a good spot. Yeah. Military Madness is a really good call. Uh, New Adventure Islands. There you go. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna fund this ourselves. We're gonna get it out there. And I want Dragon Spirit because that's the only game I rented as a kid in the Turbo 16. I believe. I think I remember renting that from Easy Video. All right. <laughs> At Matt underscore the Stampede, Ian, why does being a fan of anime carry a negative stigma? I'm not sure that it does so much anymore. Or I mean, maybe it does. I've, I've got some some ideas. Back in the day, it carried a negative stigma simply because it was the domain of nerds and dorks in school. I was one who sure. watched it. Um, didn't matter what kind of message the anime was sending. Didn't matter what it was about. Didn't matter whether the tone was serious or goofy or whether it was legitimately funny or not. If you watched anime, you were automatically a nerd or a dork. And that carried a big negative stigma to it. Modern times, anime, I think, overall is watched by more people and is more socially acceptable as a hobby um, than it ever has been. I think where some of the stigma comes from, though, is a lot of the anime that is coming out now, and believe me, there's plenty of good stuff, But so don't fucking flay me in the comment section, but a lot of it is very um, cheesecakey, fluffy, lacking in substance, um, very much focused more so than ever on big googly eyes and, you know, the, the jiggling boobs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I think... I think whereas back then it was a, a domain of dorks regardless of what it was or how serious of a theme it tried to carry. In modern stuff, I think a lot of outsiders who don't watch it only see the fluffy stuff and think that people are wasting their time on something of no substance. Which isn't true, but I think that's what's at the forefront of anime. That, that, that's what's most obvious. Are we included, are we throwing like the manga in there? like the No, we're talking anime. Just straight anime. Okay. Alright, um... Huh. I don't. I don't see it. I guess as much. Or, I mean, where do you see the negative stigma actually? I've out I, in your I've world? only seen a negative stigma recently. Like recently, there seems to be some sort of negative stigma again. What's the stigma that you're just sort of immature, or you're, you're cla- kind of immature, or you're that shut sort of thing, or, or you, yeah, you're shut in that sort of thing. It's it's it it's 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 something that is perceived to be uh, enjoyed largely by that gamer culture that is also shunned that are, you know basement dwellers that sort of thing I think is it, could it be a negative statement because a, a lot of the anime has to deal with like girls that are semi-naked that could also look like they're underage I already, I, to say I already said that a lot of it is that the perception that even though there's plenty of anime that tackles mature or real issues or tries to say something the stuff that is most popular this or the stuff that is most commercialized is the more uh cheesecakey exploitive stuff yeah well, well i'm gonna take it a step further where it looks like it can be like sure riding a really fucking fine razor's edge line of what are these what, these are characters that look really young at some point yeah and that's a very yeah. valid point except for the fact that un, uh, fortunately uh, well unfortunately I don't think that's actually where the negative stigma comes from. oh okay I, I, I don't think it is this is my sort of perception looking at maybe that could be where it comes from I, I, I don't know that that is I think at this point that technical sort of, porn I think at this point that sort of thing has just been so commonplace in a lot of anime that it's not really 
This is the only anime you ever need, buddy. Okay. Um, right here. I don't think that's really even considered in a lot of cases now. Negative stigma. Do you have a negative stigma, Mr. Dutarka? No. All right. Uh, at Niemla. Hey, Karen. Hey, Karen. Contributor to Ultimate Nintendo God in his library. I've heard Ian maybe perhaps might have a little more time to make video content. Will we see Ian's happy handhelds? So I left his bathroom. And I confronted him, right? And I asked him, why is there ranch dressing in your bathroom? Okay? I asked him. And he had no fucking answer for me, okay? He had no... He had, he had no answer as to why it was there. It was just something that was there, and it made perfect sense to him that it should be there, okay? Uh-huh. Okay, so I sat back down on the bed, right? And and he wanted to play uh, Fantasy Star Online for the GameCube. And I think his intention was to sit there and beat the whole game. Okay. Okay, but we put it on, and, and the bottom... His TV cut off a large portion of the bottom of the screen, so I couldn't even see what I did. It was not adjusted correctly? It was, it was, just, it was just, yeah, it wasn't adjusted okay. properly at all. Okay. And uh, so so I can't even play the fucking game properly because the split screen's just not working right. Uh-huh. And there's a lot of, like, not talking going on, and it's it's uncomfortable. Are, are you sitting directly next to him? I'm right next to him on, on his a, bed. On, a, on his bed. On his bed. I'm right next to him on his was bed. It, was the, the bed. There was, there was no other, was, there was no other seat. Was the bed made? Uh yeah, it was made. Oh, it was, was. Made. it was made. It was clean soft. Sheets. Yeah, okay. it was made. It was made. It was clean sheets. Tw- twin size? Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Probably now, twin. I don't remember if I ever asked about uh, talked about the part where he asked um um if I preferred light or dark rooms, and he had like a storm curtain hanging. Like it was like it was like a fucking heavy blanket that was just one of those blocked out. It was just hanging. Just like actually, yeah. Just a and he walked over and was like, "Uh, Ian, do you do you prefer light or, or or dark rooms?" And I was like, hey, "Light, light would be great. Light would be fucking fantastic." So after we played these games for a little while, okay. he um he goes he goes to me um he goes, "I made a video game about you. Would you like to see it?" I was like, yo, so we can play, like, anything else that this you want a, on your this show. This is a momentous uh, birthday party. Lots of stuff yeah, going lots on. Of Fetal <laughs> position, ranch dressing, inside the bathroom. And now uh, the revelation that someone made a video, video game, game about, about me. You. So so I, I I really tried to push the issue that maybe we should um, we should probably just keep playing video games, right? Sure. Okay. Play, play some shooter action. <laughs> play some, just, just, play, fucking anything. just put off the inevitable. So uh, I, I couldn't put it off any longer, and uh, he had made um, uh, 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 a, a mini RPG. No, 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 back up, back up. How did he reveal this to you? Like, okay, come sit down. Let me show you this. Like, I want to walk through the process, but how- Pat, just don't make it any harder for me, okay? He made an RPG, uh, okay. a, a short uh, one, about me using RPG Maker okay. on the PlayStation 1. Okay. Okay. All right. So we had it saved. He booted it so, up. So it's saved to a memory card. Okay. okay. Now, I want you to remember, when it comes to RPG Maker, uh, you can't... Um, there is no keyboard support. You have to hunt and peck every little bit of dialogue into the window. <clears throat> so this was after I had uh, broken up with my, my uh, girlfriend at the time. And uh, he made an RPG about me. And about him as my sidekick, and we were going to go get me back together with my girlfriend. Okay, you had revealed to him that you'd broken up way before that. Yep, yep, he knew about this. So mistake number one. Um, now, now when he uh, in the game, he uh, he starts off. I, I'm a character, and he's a character, and he's uh, 
He's a bunny girl. <laughs> but he's going by his actual name, and I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm just not gonna repeat it. Um, so his character is literally the sprite of like the stereotypical '90s Japanese bunny girl, high heels, like the yes. casino outfit, the ears, yes. right? Okay. So I am way dominant. Like and aggressive in this RPG, and like he's totally subservient, and it's just fucking blowing my mind, and it's way too fucking weird because it's like oh, it's, it's like he never knew me. So I'm like, <laughs> you gotta come with me and get your shit into shape, and we're gonna go. And he's like, but but, and I cast a spell on him, and it turns him back into himself. But himself is a fucking monkey. He's a monkey, and 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 the text on the screen was, no, I wasn't done being a bunny girl. I wanted to keep playing with my, and then the text cuts off. Well, there's lots of, there's a lot of shit going on here. There's a lot of in this, <laughs> a lot of outs, a lot of fascinations so there's, there's, there, there's a lot of psychological problems here. He wanted to keep touching himself, but he wanted to fuck me. We'll get to that more. We'll, get, we'll get to wait, that more wait, later. Wait, hold, wait, on, wait, hold, wait, on, hold on. Hold on. So. 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 Anyway, we go through the rest of this RPG. The story's not all that spectacular. We get to the end. I'm dominant male. He's subservient male. I'm trying to get this girl to go back out with me because I'm the strong fucking hero. My jaw is on the floor the whole time. I can't fucking handle it. We finish it, and it's at this point, it's at this point that things just start breaking in my head. Just things start snapping. I'm no longer functioning or thinking properly, or no, no, nothing's, nothing's happening in a way that's good. Okay? No, I mean, nothing's good. Nothing's good in my world. So, we finish that. No, we finish that. It's finished, Pat. We finished that. That's done. Okay? It was about 15 minutes in length. He did a lot of hunting about, and packing. You talk about the art style, the enemies, the items. It's all sprites. A slowed up RPG maker. He used stock assets. Okay? All right? What? Okay? Okay? Okay. <laughs> all right? <laughs> you just glanced over. He said, you want to have sex with me or molest Hold on. We're getting <laughs> We're getting to this. Around this point, I made it very clear that I wasn't... Uh, oh, by the way, I'm, I'm probably going to have to go soon. And I think I mentioned this in the, the, the prior uh, the prior talk. Uh, um, he, he expected me to sleep over that night. And I didn't I didn't want to sleep over. I was like, no, 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 I'm not sleeping over. Um, pajama party. Pajama party. Sleepover. But, uh, you know, we were going to have dinner and things like that. And he asked me. He uh, dropped another bombshell on me. Oh, I made a comic about you. Would you like to see it? I mean, I'm trapped at this point. I feel like I'm going to get fucking knifed at any point if I say the wrong thing. So I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> kind of like, flustered up. And he goes, oh, well, I <laughs> I made a comic about you. And I'm going to try to remember this as perfectly as I can, okay? He loads it up on his computer. He loaded it on his PC. Okay. Okay? He took a lot of pictures of me at work. Wait, what? He took pictures of me at work. <laughs> Pictures, Pic- incognito pictures of me behind the, the, the did, desk working did, on the computer. Did he know? Did you know that these were being taken? Uh, uh, I I think I saw him take like a couple, and I was like, "What are you doing?" He's like, oh, "I just took a picture." I'm like, "Okay, that, don't." <laughs> this is in the old Voltaire store. This is the old, this is the old Voltaire. Store. Did he take them like over like the? He's like <laughs> over the corner. So there's like four panels, right? And once again, he's putting me in this completely weird like personality that I I'm not. First panel is me sitting behind the computer. 
man, I'd really like to get some ass tonight. Like it, like bubbles or and like a bubble in a okay and bubble and a bubble above this man. Picture. I'd really, really like, like to get some, some ass, ass tonight. tonight. Words I've never heard you utter and probably never will. I'll just go out on this dating site and have my pick. Third panel. Oh yeah, this chick <clears throat> says that uh, it was something like says that she's really into anime, loves video games, totally my type. Which, by the way, people, you don't. This is a common misconception among among some people. You you don't chase after someone who's exactly like you. That's no fun. Uh, hope she's got big tits or something like that. Did it actually say that I said for or something like that? So, so, no, I mean, I'm saying it said okay. it was like something like that. And it's like, it was like, click. Okay. The last panel. The last panel is me with my hat in my hand. I don't know how he got it. Maybe when I realized that he was taking pictures, goes, oh, it's just Max again. Implying that Max was making, I said his name. I said his name. Implying that this person was making uh, profiles to bait me on dating sites. So, so anyways, <coughs> I get a phone call around this time, right? I pick it up. It's my ex, okay? Now, Trig and, and, <coughs> and my ex have been texting me this whole fucking time, okay? Making sure that I'm alive and I'm okay. And she calls and she goes, how you doing? And I'm like, right now I'm not so good. How are you? And she's like, oh, I just got punched in the throat by a crackhead. Because she was working at this, uh, the Starbucks on 30th Street when it was there. I'm like, oh my god, are you okay? And she's like, oh, I'm totally fine. I'm more concerned about you. Uh, she's like, actually, uh, do you need a ride? I'm like, yeah, I need a ride. I need a ride right now. She's like, okay, cool, because I'm going to use this as an excuse to come pick you up. Okay? So she says that she's going to be there. And she's going to come get me. And I'm okay. just fucking counting down the minutes. She's like, give me 20 minutes. I'm like, okay. And I'm like, Max, I got to go. My my friend just got fucking punched in the throat by a crackhead. Which and, sounds like a better time, by the way. And and he goes, oh, you sure you got to leave so soon? We haven't even had dinner yet. And I'm like, yeah, I, I got to go. My my friend was assaulted on the job. And I mean, I, I have to go make sure she's okay. Like, she wants to be around someone right now. Like, that's mm-hmm. assault. Okay, I mean, okay, all right, good, so great. <clears throat> so she gets there to pick me up, and I'm like, okay, I gotta go. And he's like, okay, well, I'll walk you out the door. And as we're walking out the door of the old boarding house, <laughs> the one with the Cyclops eye in the door, by yeah, the I turn and I look at the mom and I go, bye. Nice to meet you. She goes, oh, you're not sticking around for dinner? I'm like, sorry, something came up with my friend. She was attacked at work. And out of nowhere, he goes, no, mom, he just thinks your cooking's gonna fucking suck. And I was like, no, no, no. Whoa, no, that's not what I said at all. Okay, I gotta go by. So I burst out the front door and I go walking towards the car as fast as I can. And as I come walking towards the car, fetal, fetal man, Clay, comes walking around. Fetal position, Clay. With with a bag of groceries going, oh, Ian, taking off so soon. And I'm like, yep, sorry, I gotta go. And I got in the car and I went immediately to Luna, where I was shaking more than this. 
and I retold the story to Treg and Bonnie. And, uh, yeah, Karen, I do um, maybe have some free time now, and maybe you'll see some videos from me in the future. Send them that. You wrap it up. So many unanswered questions still. Was the mom upset? Was Max uh, saying that to piss off Ian and make him look uncomfortable? Or did he really hate his mom and figure out just extra jab him? So many unanswered questions. Stay tuned next time in 2018 for the next revelation, part three of the Max the Stalker story. Wait, there's going to be part three. Ian's running back. There, there was a part three. There is going to be a part three. No, uh, we're just going to have it out right now. No, 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 no. no. You sure? I'm just... I, well, perhaps I will expound upon it. Um, months later, after all this, I, I received a breakup note from him. A legitimate breakup note. That's going to be part three. I, I still have it. It's in a DS case. You're going to bring that? Okay. And that'll be part three, and we'll see you. Don't go to any birthday parties. All right. Well, Ian's, Ian's done. Uh, metaphysically, physically, mentally, he walked off the podcast... So I'm going to have to wrap this up. Hey, hey, everyone. Uh, if you like the podcast, listen to it on uh, Podbean or on iTunes or Stitcher. Make sure you, you know, leave a comment if you like it. And, and a, you know, positive uh, rating would be great. Help help the, help us out. And that's every two weeks. If you want to broadcast and be a uh, broadcast, if you want to advertise and or sponsor with the CU Podcast, uh, email cupodcast at thepunkeffect.com for rates and prices, and hell, you know, we get thirty to 40,000 downloads an episode, and plus we're on YouTube as well, so you can advertise there too if you want, and or, one or both or none. Um, and so we're going to be at Comic-Con on Sunday, um, Sunday the 24th at 3 p.m. in room 32AB for the From Pac-Man to Mario panel. Be on the lookout for us there. Um, Ultimate Nintendo Guide to the NES Library which weighs over six pounds, is still available for pre-order, or you can get the digital version right now at ultimatenes.com, and that starts shipping in August already. Woo! So for Ian Ferguson, who has checked out, maybe for good, I am Pat Contry. We'll see you in two weeks. Bye!